we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-3675. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is Common Sense. Welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, iTunes. Today, not YouTube. They banned me again. <laughs> Facebook, iHeartRadio, and I don't know, a half a dozen other places you might find me. Just go to our home webpage, Southern Sense, with, as in common sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the least mostess, the radio chickadee, Annie, along with my courageous and oh-so-intellectual co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you today? I'm just about roasting in this sunny Florida sun, but hey, I know you guys up there uh, north of me is probably a lot cooler. Other than that, I'm ready for a good show today. Yeah, and we've got a really good rocking show today. I want to warn everyone that's in the chat room, if you see the little alligator popping up, that's not a stranger. That's me because Curtis just kicked me out of the chat room. I don't know what the heck is going on with this rumble talk that they put up, but uh, two co-hosts cannot you know, participate in the chat room at the same time. So, uh, man, all the more reason, Curtis, for us to get off this platform, which we are still working on. A lot of kinks, but I haven't had a lot of time to work on it. So if someone could give me an extra pair of hands and maybe clone me, and I could probably <laughs> do it. But we'll, get, well, maybe, maybe we'll ask your, your, your friend Chris when he comes on if he knows of anyone that has any, any knowledge in podcasting that maybe can um, 
<laughs> Give us a hand here. But we got a great, great show. Uh, Chris Castle will be joining us in about half an hour as a guest co-host. Um, he is a fascinating gentleman who has background in architecture, advertising, photography, cinematography, uh, script writing. You name it, he's a man about town, and his history is colorful, and love, we'd love to talk to him. We're going to have Larry Clayman also. He's the author of It Takes a Counter-Revolution, Wake Up, America!, uh, he's also the uh, founder and current chairman of Freedom Watch, and they're doing a lot of great work. And then my buddy from the Epic Times, the founder of Hill Faith, uh, Mark Tapscott, will be joining us in his half-hour slot. And again, Heritage Foundation has sent me my favorite person over at Heritage, outside of Tom, who sends me great guests every week, Hans von Spakovsky. I just love saying his name. Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think they're related. <laughs> but want to welcome everyone that is joining us here also. Um, if you see me turning away from the camera, if you're watching up on Facebook and YouTube, like I said, has banned us once again because I talked about COVID. Shame on me. I'm slapping my own hands. <laughs> I did protest and they said, nope, you gave misinformation. So the information police is out there. This is 1984 all over again. Anyway. Yeah, this is not their this not way. their call. It's not their call to determine, you know, what is misinformation and what not. People are supposed to be able to decide for themselves. And that's that's the state of the country right now, you know, we have censorship going on. Well, which means to tell me if they still banned me means they did not listen to the episode. They went by what someone posted to them in a complaint because I explained to them, listen, I talked about experiences I had in my personal family, conversations I had, my mother had with our doctor, as well as experiences we had of personal friends. And then I stated, don't go by just my advice. Talk to your medical professional and go by their advice. And the SOBs, said, nope, you're giving out medical information, misinformation. Yeah. Well, excuse me, here comes yeah. my Italian, ma fangul. <laughs> yeah, your, your, your two cents don't matter to them. they got to keep with the uh, agenda. Yeah, I'm not woke enough. I'm not woke enough. One way shame, yeah. shame, shame, shame on me. Oh, man. Again, want to welcome everyone that is over here uh, popping into the chat room over at uh, Blog Talk Radio. We see a lot of friends I haven't seen in a while. I meant to mention that last week, but God bless you for joining us. And if you're trying to get into the Facebook page, <laughs> I'm in I'm in I'm in Gitmo again. I'm in Facebook, uh, YouTube Gitmo. <laughs> but we are up on my homepage, Southern Sense, so you can check us out on our homepage. Again, I want to mention that we've got people listening in in our uh, studio. Also, a special welcome to them. Also, and our special friend, Sweet Sue. All right. That said. Take a deep breath in. <laughs> All right. We've got a lot to talk about. Everything from Trump's pending arrest or non-arrest uh, to immigration and election reform and so on and so forth. And we'll go on with that. But those listening to us know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to police officer Gonzalo Carrasco, Jr. of the Selma Police Department in California. His end of watch was Tuesday, January 31st of this year. And this is from coming from the L.A. Times by Grace Chuhi and also by ABC 30, 30, 
www.thepeopleshow.com by Alyssa Flores and Nick Garcia. And also uh, by Nick Garcia, a, a third one, also at ABC 30. And they write, An on-duty Selma, California police officer was fatally shot Tuesday, January 31st, 2023, while responding to a resident's concern stunning many in the small city just south of Fresno. Officer Gonzalo Carrasco, Jr., 24, is the first officer to die in the line of duty in Selma, a minority Latino city of fewer than 25,000, according to a statement from the Fresno County Sheriff's Office, which is investigating the killing. Carrasco had been at the Selma Police Department less than two years and was a father-to-be. The man who investigators say fatally shot Carrasco had been arrested and is being held without bail. At about 11.45 a.m. that Tuesday, Carrasco was flagged down by a woman worried about a suspicious man on her property in the neighborhood just west of Highway 99, according to the sheriff's office. Carrasco attempted to approach the man, but the man fired several shots at him, killing him. The man, later identified by Nathaniel Dixon, 23, ran from the scene of the shooting. After a short search by police, Dixon was found about a mile away, and officers recovered a gun not far from where Dixon was detained. Dixon, a Selma resident, who deputies said has a significant criminal history that includes prison time, was booked into the Fresno County Jail on suspicion of murder, being a felon in possession of a gun and ammunition and a probation violation. He is not eligible for bail because of the probation violation charge, deputies had said. Carrasco died at the hospital. I'm absolutely outraged, Selma Police Chief Rudy Alcarez said, according to the Fresno Bee. I am horrified right now. This is the worst case scenario. Carrasco joined the Selma Police Department in May of 2021 after learning about the profession through the Explorer program, an opportunity for young adults to learn more about policing at the Reedley Police Department, according to a statement from Fresno District Attorney Lisa A. Smithcamp. He is the son of farm workers and is survived by his parents, brother, sisters, and a girlfriend who is pregnant with their child. While honorably serving his community in, today in Selma, California, he was shot and killed in cold blood, Smith Camp said. It's a tragic day in the county of Fresno and the state of California. The circumstances of the shooting death in the Central Valley sparked a political firestorm surrounding a criminal justice policy and who should be held responsible for keeping dangerous people off the streets. Smith Camp, a Republican known for criticizing the governor and progressive criminal justice policies, placed the dame for Carrasco's death on Newsom, that's Governor Newsom, and legislators who had supported laws that increase the amount of time people in prison can get taken off their sentences. She said Newsom and other lawmakers have the blood of the officer on their hands. Dixon had been sentenced to more than five years in prison last year, but was released five months later on community supervision, Smith Camp said. If the prison system did an effective job of corrections and rehabilitation, this would not be the case, Smith Camp said. People sentenced to prison are released without significant punishment, 
rehabilitation programming, or educational opportunities. The man later, I'm sorry, although Dixon was released from prison early, he was convicted of only two felonies through a plea deal with prosecutors, despite facing nine felony charges and one misdemeanor after two 2020 arrests. Authorities are releasing more information about fallen Selma police officer Gonzalo Carrasco, Jr., and the man accused of killing him earlier this week. Fresno County Sheriff John Zanoni, Selma Police Chief Rudy Alcarez, and Fresno District Attorney Lisa Smithcamp held a news conference to detail what they learned about the final moments leading up to the shooting. Sheriff Zanoni says Officer Kuruzko was patrolling Pine Street when he pulled over to check on a suspicious man. Authorities have since identified him. A neighbor told Carrasco that Dixon was standing in the front yard of a home, and he didn't live there. As Carrasco got out of his car and approached Dixon, officials say the shooting began. Dixon immediately pulled out a gun and fired shovel shots, striking Officer Carrasco. Dixon took off running while he was still armed with his gun, which was later determined to be a ghost gun, a .223 caliber style assault rifle. Investigators say the ambush-style attack on Carrasco didn't give him a moment to defend himself. He was taken to Community Regional Medical Center, where he passed away. A deputy later located Dixon in the area. Surveillance video obtained by Action News shows Dixon eventually surrendering to law enforcement. He knew that he had the weapon on his person, and he went into the yard at the location so he wouldn't get checked or stopped by the officer. He was trying to go to that yard like he lived at that house. Carrasco joined the Selma Police Department as a sworn officer in 2021. Prior to becoming a sworn officer, Carrasco spent two years as a reserve volunteer for the department. He was coming to work on his own dime, and he was not getting a paycheck, said Garza. While Carrasco waited for a paid position to become open in the police force, he joined his family as a farm worker. He went to work in the fields to support his family. So that in itself tells you the kind of person he is. Carrasco was about to have a child of his own. Carrasco was a very excited to be a father, and he wanted to start a family. Chief Alcaraz said Carrasco's family wants privacy. But his upcoming memorial service is an opportunity for people to show their support for his parents, sisters, brother, and his unborn baby. I would love to see the community come out there supporting Gonzalo so that the parents know that his life, everything that he stood for, was bigger than himself, bigger than all of us here on this stage today. And finally, red and blue flashing lights illuminated the night in Selma for slain officer Gonzalo Carrasco, Jr., The display was part of a large prayer vigil at Lincoln Park right across the street from the Selma Police Department. Hundreds of people of all backgrounds and faiths huddled together under a flag lowered to have staff to pray and remember Officer Carrasco. Many of the mourners have relatives who are in law enforcement like Richard Vargas. My father came home every day for 30 years. We're so grateful, said Vargas. It's not lost on him that Officer Carrasco's unborn child won't be able to say the same thing. 
We come from a cop family, so this really touched. This really hit home here. I encourage everyone to lift up our officers every day on a daily basis, Vargas explained. Officers from surrounding departments joined Selma Police in lining the cruisers together with their light bars on a shining symbol of their solidarity. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody waves at each other, so it's very personal when something like this happens, said Vargas. Strangers and those who knew Officer Carrasco poured into the plaza, including one of his high school basketball coaches. He was always one guy that you can guarantee would do anything for his team, for his teammates, said George Delport. Carrasco carried that sense of duty with him into adulthood and into the force right up to the end. His selfless act will forever be remembered by this grateful crowd and beyond. He was just a young man, and he left an impact on you. You would recognize him, so I would be so saddened by what happened here, said Rosemary Zapata. Zapata only met Officer Carrasco once, but she says she could tell by his smile he was one of the good guys. When this happened, this tragedy I was so brokenhearted because I have a true heart for the police department. The candles, flowers, and balloons at the park have been there since the day Officer Carrasco died. The memorial has continued to grow, and people say, this will remain a spot to remember Officer Carrasco. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Gonzalo Carrasco, Jr., is dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve in our military from the birth of this great nation through today and into our hopeful future. And we dedicate to them this song by my friend Todd Allen Herringdon. My name is America. May God bless each and every one. AVS Media Demo. Apologize. Something has happened to the recording which has gotten corrupted. And I don't know what that is. So instead, for a dedication, I'm going to switch to Amazing Grace.
You're live listening to Southern Sense on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains, Pundit, uh, Lone Star, whatever the heck I'm at. <laughs> Just go to the name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the least Moses that can mess up the wet dream <laughs> when I try to do an intro. <laughs> Annie, the radio chickadee, along with my co-host who's shaking his head going, oh my God, here she goes again, <laughs> going off the rails. Oh, along with our guest co-host, which I'm bringing on live, Chris Kessler. I'm sorry about that. I can't even talk today, guys. Take over. <laughs> I'm lost. Well, good kind of... afternoon, y'all. How are you? All right. I was tempted to sing um, along, but my voice isn't that good. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> well, this is a true story, you know. Uh, my mom, who happens to be full-blooded Italian, and Italians are supposed to be able to sing, uh, when she would go, I'll sing you a lullaby before you go to bed. And we go, Mom, Mom, we promise to be good. Don't sing. Don't sing, Mom. Oh. <laughs> so that's okay, oh. Chris. Don't sing. Oh, I don't believe you. That's a good one, but I don't believe it. Oh. <laughs> no, she, she can't sing, and she can't dance. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if she really is Italian. <laughs> she can cook. Oh. Oh, well, that's that's important, right? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good. Growing up, I always thought the best singers in the world were Italians because of Mario <laughs> Lanza and Pavarotti and things like that, Caruso. Not Mario yeah. Andretti? Oh, come on. Come on, oh, Mario a, Andretti? He's a race driver, I believe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you think? He, he doesn't have pipes, that kind of pipes. <laughs> Not that kind of pipes, right? Exactly. No, he's got that automobile pipes. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Anyway, um, waiting for Curtis in about a few minutes. You'll be calling our guest in. And this is this is interesting. I came across this uh, stuck in the back of the page, you know, uh, article. Um, we have the woke society that's pushing for all of the LBGTQ, XYZ, LMNOP, you know, uh, agendas. Uh, but there's going to certainly be a pushback across the world. And in Uganda, they are outlawing homosexuality. The president, Jawari uh, Mesvini, I'm probably mispronouncing that, is expected to sign a bill on Tuesday to uh, say homosexuality threatens Uganda's traditional and religious values. And one lawmaker, David Bahati, described, God is happy with what is happening, and the bill will protect future children. Now, the bill 
how will it punish uh, homosexuality um, include sexual relations with same-sex victims, such as children and those with disabilities, as well as being infected with HIV. Those convicted, uh, including gay marriage, could face up to 10 years in jail. The prison sentence for attempting to aiding and abetting would be two years. Now, that I find interesting that, well, it is a predominantly Muslim country, but it would openly do this instead of quietly do it like Iran and other countries do. This is interesting. What say you, Chris? Well, it seems to me to be a rational response to what these people can see going on in the Western world. And they don't want to be infected with it. I think we see the same thing, although we don't like to talk about Russia in any positive sense. But we see something similar in that country. They don't have any tolerance for this stuff. And certainly the Red Chinese don't either. No, and at least they're being open and honest about it, um, which a lot of other countries are not going to do. So, you know... No, they, you know they, they see it as corruption, and, and it is. It's... it's, an, it's um, I don't want to get biblical yet, <laughs> but um, I would point out to you that a very interesting book has been published by Jonathan Kahn, who is a pastor in uh, northern New Jersey and uh, quite a well-known author now who wrote the original book he wrote was called The Harbinger, and he laid out the biblical case for what occurred at 9-11 in New York with all of the specific biblical references to, that pointed to it and to the outcome. And his most recent book is about the return of the gods, which is to say the gods who were banished uh, in ancient Israel by the Jews, the, the gods of the various different, um, I guess, tribes is a good word, or nations, as, as you will, that were definitely pagan and had all kinds of bizarre practices, not the least of which was live uh, infant sacrifice, uh, peculiar uh, sexual proclivities and all that sort of thing. They were, all those gods were banished when Christ came on the scene. They were all shoved off the stage in the corner, so to speak. Khan is making the argument that these, these so-called gods have all returned in force today and are, are infesting our, our uh, society. Well, it's interesting when you see the rise of Satanism. But we also have now with us from Freedom Watch, uh, also founder of Judicial Watch, Larry Clavin. Let's bring Larry on back onto the show. And welcome back, Larry. How are you today? Um, you're welcome. I'm doing fine. How are you? Well, as can All be right. expected. Well, we ha- I know we only have 15 minutes with you. It's a shame because there's so much to talk about and delve into that we're talking that's going on today. Uh, but everyone's talking about what's going on in New York City with the potential indictment of Donald Trump by Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, and it seems to be starting to backfire on him, doesn't it? Well, we'll see how it shakes out. I think that he's made a commitment to the radical left. And he's likely to carry through with it regardless because they want blood from Donald Trump. But let me say at the outset, the concept of indicting a president, if in fact the president has committed a crime, as Joe Biden has, for instance, that should not prevent someone from going forward, a prosecutor or whoever, with an indictment. However, in this case, it's totally unwarranted. It's a political hit. And it's meant you know, to smear the president, President Trump, because they fear that he's going to be the nominee of the Republican Party. 
So that's what it's all about, and that's why I think in the end it probably will go forward because he's already committed himself to do it. Well, that is a question of jurisdiction, whether or not he's overstepped, because when you're dealing with campaign finance reform, that's federal. But he doesn't have jurisdiction over federal, does he? You're absolutely right, but you're talking about New York City, okay, which is short of the District of Columbia, the most leftist place in this country, even more so than Northern California, frankly. Uh, He would get a judge, in all likelihood, who was not favorably disposed, President Trump, and certainly not a jury that would be on his side. And they know that. And, of course, this is just the beginning of a number of phony indictments because there will be, there will be cases brought in the District of Columbia, criminal prosecutions, for phony allegations of tax fraud and tax evasion and also sedition at January 6th. So this is just the beginning. And the Democrats are ruthless. And you can see that they use the Justice Department, which they control, as a Gestapo to terrorize January 6th protesters, throwing them in prison without bail, giving them large prison terms for simply walking into the Capitol. This is the world we live in today. The the justice system is totally corrupt. And this is why I want people to go to freedomwatchusa.org, contribute to our cause, Get my book, It Takes a Counter-Revolution, Wake Up America, which lays forth a plan to actively fight these Democrats and the left and to bring about a return to the vision and creation of our founding fathers. Well, you know, because I love you so much, Larry, there's a link on the show page that takes people directly to your book so they can buy it, as well as a link to Freedom Watch so that they can make a donation. See, I take care of you. (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We need it because, you know, the Republican Party has become a fundraising, in effect, a racketeering enterprise. Uh, When they get power, they do little to nothing. Uh, They do these dog and pony shows on Capitol Hill, but a lot of our supporters are deceived, and they think they're actually doing something. Let me give you an example. And and they've siphoned a lot of money away from Freedom Watch and, and other groups like us with their incessant emails and everything else they send out. But look at these judges in the District of Columbia, who both Democrat and Republican appointed, who have been putting the January 6th protesters away with fairly large prison terms, making them get down on their knees, confess to do something wrong, or they, they would get even a bigger prison term, as if this were a run of North Korea. But the House Judiciary Committee, which has the power to impeach, does nothing. You know, they just talk about things. They don't do anything. And all these judges on the District of Columbia Federal Court should be impeached, every single one of them. I've practiced in front of them for many years. They're all, without exception, politically compromised and corrupt in cases like this. And that is why you need a Freedom Watch and why you need people like yourself getting the word out to support us, because we will take the risk. We will uh, try Joe Biden for bribery from communist China, Ukraine, and Russia. Fauci, his criminal negligence has resulted in the death of 7 million people worldwide. He sent the seeds of COVID-19 to the Chinese lab, and it got out. And 7 million people counting have died, more than even Adolf Hitler killed in the Holocaust. But yet the Republicans on Capitol Hill just talk about it because that gets them more fundraising, monies, and also gets them reelected. And, of course, when they're reelected, they do little to nothing. 
Well, yeah, the January 6th, and there's, there's a threat of, an, of additional arrests coming up, somewhere a total of possibly over 1,200 people being arrested because of the January 6th protest. Uh, and one of them that you bring to light is Sarah Carpenter. And that comes near and dear to me because, you know, I am retired from NYPD. And she is now convicted of a felony, and she can lose her pension. Her, her, her livelihood well, is that's now what doing. You know, judge, Yeah, a judge that I once respected, Joy, Royce Lambert, who I no longer respect. He made a lot of good decisions for me when I was running Judicial Watch, when I was fighting the Clintons back in the 90s. He sent the QAnon shaman away for four years almost because he didn't like the way he dressed. He told him, George Washington said, obey the established government. George Washington did not obey the established government or we wouldn't have a country. The established government was King George III. Someone like Lambert should be impeached. Other judges like Colleen Kohler Catelli, like Carl Nichols, like James Bosberg. I'm going to write down the line. Every single judge in that courthouse should be impeached. And the, and the Republicans controlling the House Judiciary Committee haven't impeached anyone for decades, uh, not since Alice Hastings was impeached for bribery. And what happened then? Alice Hastings ran for Congress in South Florida and won, and he was there ever since until he died. And so this is the government that you have, not you, but the American people. We have no government. And that's why we also advocate, and you can see it on our website at freedomwatchusa.org, that we declare independence again, that we form a new government, not a new nation, that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, that we require the judges be elected and not appointed with campaign contributions, which is basically bribery on the federal bench, that we take immunity away from government officials, that we make it clear that there's a right to life in the Constitution. We do all those things because... The Republican Party does not represent the American people. They represent themselves. And that's, that's unfortunate. That is highly unfortunate. Because when you look at what's going on with the January 6th, now Congress is supposed to be sending a, de- a delegation once again to look at the, the prisoners. But they've been shipping these prisoners out secretly. A lot of times no one knows where they are until like a week or more later. Um, we also now have the Proud Boys it turns around that one of the people that is a witness for the defense happened to have been a government informant. Now, how can you walk both sides of the fence and be a witness for the defense when you're actually giving all the information to the offense? That's, that's an excellent point. And, and, you know, I sat in on a little bit of the Oath Keepers trial. I had a, a case the same day in the D.C. federal courthouse. And i got to tell you, I mean, you know, what they're being tried for is that they supported Donald Trump. The fact that they bore arms in Virginia is not a crime. Uh, they did no overt act. They did not incite violence. Neither did Proud Boys. But, yes, they've made them into, you know, right-wing extremists. And I'll tell you something. I wanted everything to be resolved peacefully and legally. But if it's not, the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers going to look like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts in the end because the American people – when they can't get food at a decent price, when they can't buy gasoline at a decent price, when there's rampant crime in the streets, when people are running across the border with disease and drug traffickers and human traffickers and sex traffickers, when we're teaching perverted ideologies to our children behind parents' backs and then investigating the parents when they complain, 
when our military is demoralized, which it is after Afghanistan and Ukraine. Um, we are sitting on a powder keg that will at some point explode if we don't try to use peaceful and legal means to bring about justice. And that's what we're trying to do at Freedom Watch. So I hope people will support us. But we need the help of the American people. My book, It Takes a Counter Revolution, Wake Up America, Wake Up America. People are asleep at the switch. They think it's enough to watch Sean Hannity and be entertained. It's not. Think about your kids and grandkids and future generations. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and uh, uh, John Adams and others. You know, things weren't that bad compared to now in 1776, but they knew what was going to happen. And um, they did it for future generations because the colonies were rich far richer per capita than we are today, you know, under Joe Budd. And you mentioned those that were successful after the revolution. How many disappeared? How many had their families completely shattered and and never seen them again? How many died in in poor without anything? Uh, Because they were our founding fathers and they had the courage to dedicate their life, their liberties, and their fortunes. And many That's of right. them lost Fortunately. all three. Talk about the I mean, Francis, they didn't have to risk they didn't have to risk it no. all. George Washington hey, here Thomas is, Jefferson were billionaires today with inflation. You know, so yeah. they did it on principle and there are very few people in this country anymore who will do things on principle. But a small group of people like ourselves can mobilize those people out there who will do things on principle, who will take risks. We can mobilize the American people. We can get this thing going in the right direction. But it's not going to come from someone like Jim Jordan with rolled up sleeves, like the ex-Ohio State wrestling coach, who all he does is shoot his mouth off and nothing ever happens. And even if he wanted it to happen, it can't happen because they don't have the power to indict on Capitol Hill, the Republicans. That's the Justice Department that's run by Biden. It will never happen. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and, and James Biden will get away with the bribery unless a group like Freedom Watch tries them, which we're doing. And you'll see a likely conviction in the next few weeks. We will then sentence. We will then petition the police and the military to carry it out. Uh, and we also have a right of citizen's arrest. We're not going to be any way violent or physical, but we have a right um, to even arrest Joe Biden at this point. And... Uh, You know, that's something the American people need to think about because that's in the law of 48 states, including the most leftist state, California. If you know of someone who's committed a felony, you can arrest them and turn them over to law enforcement. Now, you run a citizen's grand jury, and that's how you're going about doing this, correct? Citizen's grand jury, and then once we get an indictment, citizen's trials and sentencing, and then executing the sentences by petitioning law enforcement and the military to do it. Yes, we're doing that. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Terry. Let's say um, they go ahead and indict um, President Trump. In what way could this backfire on the uh, people pursuing this? Well, it'll backfire politically, but they very well may succeed, not just this indictment, because the Bragg indictment will be relatively minor. But the indictments that are coming in the District of Columbia, or maybe Georgia even, uh, are going to be very significant. 
and it's going to require a lot of President Trump's time and money to defend them, and he'll be diverted. And others in the Republican Party will seize upon that who are running for president to try to push him aside. So it's not just the Democrats, but the Republicans will also use it to deep-six him so they can then run for president. Someone like Pence has already turned coat, you know, against Trump. Of course, he has no chance of winning anyway. He's like a cigar store Indian. But, I mean, there are others out there, too. And the Republicans, uh, and this is where President Trump makes a mistake. He, he, he always defaults back to the Republican establishment. Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, you might remember after January 6th, advocated in emails that President Trump be impeached or removed under the 25th Amendment. Now, he's, quote, the ally of President Trump at the right time in the right place. The Republican leadership, the establishment of the Republican Party will stab Trump in the back and throw him overboard. And the Democrats will give him, will give them uh, a, a way to do that. So and I this believe is that. why, yeah, this is why the entire system is corrupt and we need to start our own, a new government ourselves, the American people. Uh, well, you know, Larry, I, um, the implication ahead, of that statement is that we need a new design for the government. I assume you mean that we need to clean house and use the same form that we have now under the Constitution. Am I correct? Well, we need to form a shadow government. I talk about this in my book. It takes a kind of revolution. There are ethical and honest people out there. We need to offer an alternative. We can use the, the Constitution uh, as a guide as to how to do it, but there are things in the Constitution that also need to be modified, such as electing judges, electing sec- secretaries of various ministries or departments. Uh, we need to do things like that. We need to make it clear that judges don't have immunity, that they're not above the law, The government officials don't. Our founding fathers were enlightened by God, but they weren't God, and they made some mistakes. So our new government needs to fine-tune our Constitution and, and because we've seen over the last 200 and some years that there are parts of it that simply don't work. And notwithstanding not working, no one wants to enforce it on either side of the aisle. If you think yes, that sir. the judges on the Supreme Court because they're appointed by Trump or another Republican president are on the side of the American people, you got another thing coming. These people, Are you supportive of a, uh, an Article 5 convention? No, I'm not supportive of that because I want a whole new system. I don't want to – the states are corrupt too, state capitals. They're corrupt too. Let's start over again. So, no, I'm not. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I must say being in Florida here and being involved in local politics, um, I'm somewhat encouraged. No, I'm in Florida, so that may be a different case, and certainly different from the federal government. Um, we just had an election in Okoe a couple of weeks ago, 10 days ago, um, where, which is in a district that's two-thirds re- registered Democrat. We had a mayor and two city councilmen run who won, who were all Republicans, which was a surprise to a great many people. But I take it as a harbinger that we may actually be looking at a sea change in general attitudes that will change things, at least at this level, maybe not on well, the national I'm, I'm a Florida, Yeah, 
I'm a Floridian too, and I think Governor DeSantis has done an excellent job. But I would urge Governor DeSantis to be part of our new government and, and to Florida then to also be part of that. But Florida is an exception. So is Texas. And those are two states among 50 states. The rest of the states are not as uh, attuned to what's really what really needs to be done uh, as those two states are. And Florida is actually superior to Texas in many ways. I mean, look at Governor Abbott in Texas. He's playing games down there. Yeah. He wants to run yeah. for president, too. You know, he, he complains, oh, these people are running across the border. Well, he has the Texas Rangers and the Texas National Guard. He could have sealed the border off. He wants... He wants the situation. He that's going to catapult him to be president. He wants so the issue. I, yeah, yeah. I think I think DeSantis is, is much better than Abbott, and I hope that he will lead uh, a new government. I think he'd be he'd be excellent. And if Trump, you know, makes some modifications to the way he does things, he'd be excellent too. Larry, now, do you do you support um, us going back to where states? appoint senators to um, to be, you know, involved with the interests of the state versus um, what's going on now, their, their elected officials? No. I believe in, in, uh, in, the, in the, the ballot box, an honest election to elect these people. And if you read my book, It Takes a Counter-Revolution, Princess Jefferson is dedicated to him. You know, he, he does not like, he's for the individual. He was the real Republican, not the phony Republicans we have today. Uh, he wants the people to decide things, to further individual rights. I don't agree to have a bunch of politicians who are bribed to the hilt by lobbyists appointing senators. No. All right, now that it comes up with where does campaign finance come from, Can would you then say, all right, if you're running for a say in the state of South Carolina, only money from individuals legally residing in the state of South Carolina make donations, no outside money at all? No, I don't think that's necessary, really. I don't. But I do think you need to have a check. I had an idea years ago. We can talk about it in another show because I don't have much more time because I've got two briefs to file today. Uh, Otherwise, I'd love to be on longer. But if you come up with a system that's transparent, that you know who's giving the money, um, and the politician does not know who it's coming from, for instance, in theory you could have a campaign finance bank where people pay in, and it's doled out, designated to um, the person running for office, but that it would be a crime if you revealed the name of the person who made the contribution to the politician or the government worker or the government official. That, to me, would be a start on how we could do this because campaign contributions are essentially bribes. That's what they essentially are when they're at very high level. That's how these judges get on the bench. These big law firms, corporations, labor unions, they bribe the politicians to get their yes men and yes women on the bench. That's just one example. Um, And, of course, they bribe politicians for what they want, okay? So that's one system, but I don't think we should limit it. Uh, if, I want, if I think someone is good in another state or whatever we call it after we form a new government, why can't I contribute? I just don't want him or her to know that I gave them money uh, so I can't call the chips in later. 
So that to me is the big problem. Well, well, I had an idea a long time ago, and I said the best way to start the reforming the government is change the date you file your IRS taxes to the day before you vote. If you're writing out that check to Uncle Sam and your hand is shaking when you go to the ballot box the very next day, you're going to vote smart. And I think that's the first step in doing our reform. Well, <laughs> what and, say and you? This is a discussion. These kinds of things we're having at our Third Continental Congress. Go to freedomwatchusa.org. You know, what we're saying is let's deliberate, let's come up with a better form of government, with uh, fine-tune our Constitution. Not throw it out, but just fine-tune it. Uh, in the Declaration of Independence, and then I've got to run, but I just want to make this last point, is it says, when in the course of human events, I'm paraphrasing, the sovereign, the rulers, no longer represent the people. Under the laws of nature and nature's God, not the law of the state, not the law of the king, obviously, that we have a right to alter or abolish that government and to form a new government by and for the people with equal rights for everyone in pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. That's, in essence, what it says right in the beginning. We yes, are not yes, bound. It is our We are not bound, no. we're, we are not bound by right. any prior system. We can fashion yes. our own, and our founding fathers bequeathed that to us, and it's time that we come up with a better system. As far as I'm concerned, uh, not that I'm advocating adopting a parliamentary system as they have in Great Britain, but British parliamentary system, the way ours is being implemented, our presidential system, is far superior. I'll go back several months. They got rid of uh, their prime minister and uh, put in this woman named Liz Truss, okay? And she lasted two weeks, okay, and they got rid of her. And because, you know, she was not being honest with her budget projections and what she wanted to do. And, and they said, okay, we need a new one. We're stuck with these people. Do you think we can survive another two years with, with Biden? This country will be all but gone. No one has the no. guts to get rid of the guy. No one has the guts or the ability. So, yes, there are real flaws in our system, and they need to be, it needs to be changed. If a president is corrupt or a president is mentally incompetent or physically incompetent, he needs to go. If you've got cabinet secretaries like Pete Buttigieg, who spends his time with his male wife, posing for pictures in bed with his surrogate kids, goes off on vacations and let the trans, lets the transportation system go to hell, he needs to go now. Or Mayorkas over Homeland Security or the, the Disney character they have as White House press secretary. You know, there needs to be a way to make a change in government without having the country go down the drain, and that's what's happening right now. So that's the reason why uh, we want a third Continental Congress. This is the second Continental Congress that declared independence on July 4, 1776. Anyway, I've got to Well, Larry, God bless you for the hard work you do, and we'll have you back on as soon as possible. Look Take forward. Care. I look forward to another day when I don't have all these legal briefs too. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. God bless you. Take care. Thanks. Take, Take care. care. Bye bye. All right. Larry Clayman, check him out on his freedomwatchusa.org and his book, <clears throat> It Takes a Counter Revolution Wake Up America, available up on Amazon. Interesting uh, uh, guest, don't you say, Chris? Oh, yeah. Very interesting, very clear on his point of view. And historically well-founded. Yes. Yes. You know, a lot of other things I wanted to ask him about with this uh, Trump pending indictment. And, yeah, me too. Um, I know 
you can indict a ham sandwich with the grand jury. If you present the facts just a certain way, and of course, the person that's being prosecuted has no access to the grand jury. They're, they're left outside. Their attorney goes in. They don't. They have no way of answering questions or facing the grand jury and defending themselves except through their lawyer. Other witnesses will come and go, and I've testified before grand juries. And you're looking at a sea of people from all different backgrounds, and you can see people that will lean towards you and people that will lean against you. It's interesting to watch the faces of the grand jury. But all they need is a majority, and you can have an indictment. And this is what is going on with Trump right now. But what I'm finding is he recently released this memo from McDermott, Will, and Emery. In it, uh, the the attorney uh, that's writing this memo is writing on behalf of Michael uh, Cohen. He was a counsel for Michael Cohen, Stephen M. Ryan, who he himself, in this letter, stated that Trump had nothing to do with the payment to Stormy Daniels. He had no knowledge about it. It was all on Michael Cohen. And there's things that are coming out about the prosecution of him where Stormy Daniels, for five years prior to her stating publicly in an interview that she had an, an affair with Donald Trump, that she never had anything to do with him. For five years, she tell, tells everyone that story, and then suddenly she changes it. So you've got two witnesses, Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels, that have been caught repeatedly lying not just in public, but before a grand jury, and he still is going to get indicted. This is, this is, as he said, it is a political witch hunt. That is nothing more than it is. Well, did I lose my well, co-host? Everyone's quiet out there. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think his well, point is well, well taken about the ineffectiveness of these uh, Republicans in Congress. And that's why working at that level. I think they're uh, spinning their wheels, which is to put it kindly. I think it's worse than that, actually. I think there's a tremendous amount of uh, deliberate obstruction, um, a lot of grandstanding and showmanship, but there's no particular action. I would point out, for example, and I'm obviously not in office, and so I can't really say this definitively, but I have the feeling and a belief that if I were a congressman in January of 2021, I would have refused to cross that, that um, military barrier around the Capitol. And I think every Republican with any brains and backbone should have done the same, stood up and said, take this down. This is the people's house. This is outrageous. And they tolerated it. They let themselves be cavity searched going into their own office building. This is insane. These are the kind of people we're looking at. And they call themselves, you know, patriots and so forth. Disgusting. It is. It is absolutely disgusting. You know, Hillary Clinton and President Obama and Bill Clinton all had campaign uh, finance violations. And what they do, they paid a fine. So everything they're going after Trump for would have been, under normal circumstances, a fine. Not a criminal action, just a fine. But when you have the uh, federal election, uh, whatever you call it, declining uh, to prosecute, when you have the federal prosecutors declining to prosecute on the very same evidence, you now have this local yokel, Alvin Bragg, whose jurisdiction is only the city of New York and cases dwelling within the city of New York, 
who goes outside of his jurisdiction to make a public statement and a public spectacle. I agree. Well, what what do you think we can do about all this? Any ideas? (laughs) Well, I don't think we need to... um go as far as to what our, our guest just mentioned, you know. I think he did say, you know, something I, I agree with, and that was to tweak the, the current system. Um, I believe we should um, rethink the 17th Amendment and and go back to the original um, purpose of um, the, the Sending senators um, to Washington to represent the interests of the state, and that, that was in the original um, Constitution, the intent, and representatives yep. were to um, represent the interests of the people. And yep. once they, they made it where they became elected officials, then they became, to me, more beholden to the party and not the state's interests. Well, and, um, Curtis, I would take it. I would take it one step further than that, not just having your legislative, your congressman and your senator uh, elected by the people only within the state and the Senate being uh, elected by your state legislature, but turn around and take all of their compensation, their pay, their security, uh, all all of this, their pension, their health care is no longer going to be provided by the federal government as it is now. It is provided by the state you represent. So your state yeah. legislator would decide what the compensation is for you, what your paycheck is, what level of health uh, program you'd have, what level of security you would have. And the state is the one that would be paying them directly, not the federal government. So they have to think of only what the people of that state want in the federal government. And I think that will bring it back down and to the people truly ruling the House and the Senate. What, Chris, what's your thought? Well, I think it makes sense. I, I Actually, I feel strongly that people elected in office should not be receive any kind of golden parachute when they leave office. I think that's wrong. And I think it was not the intention of our founders to make these people rich at the point when they retire. You can run for office, be a congressman for two years, and then sit back for the rest of your life with a great big pension and a gold-plated medical plan. Uh, I think that's wrong. Um, Whether they're paid out of the U.S. Treasury or the state, I don't know if that makes any difference, really, ultimately. Um, And I'm like Chris. I believe in the power of the individual citizen. Um, That's where all power lies, really, um, if we would only realize that. Um, it was the states that created the federal government, and you know who who are the states? Those are citizens. And um, once the American people, their eyes are open to the truth and what's what's going on, they usually um, they usually um, come to the defense of uh, the principles this this country was uh, founded on. And just like you said, down there where were able to elect some Republicans in a, a you know, Democrat stronghold. That's that's proof to me that we can reverse things. Um, the county, Putnam County, where I reside, um, and Democrats since this inception, 
until um, the Tea Party took over um, seven years ago. And during that time frame, I was vice chairman of the um, Republican Initiative Committee, and we all out because we took over that, that um, REC um, Tea Party wing. We were activists. The others were, they just rhinos and stuff. They did a couple of Lincoln dinners and hobnob with, you know, celebrity um, politicians and stuff, and they thought they, they did their job. But we came in, we reached out to the community, and we we began to turn the tide. And now Putnam County is a solid red county. So, and that's happening all over the state of Florida. I mean, what, what was it, last year or uh, within the last two years, we turned red, and now we're solid red for the first time in Florida's history. So it could be done if the people, you know, are um, enlightened and educated. Well, you know, you I've been running my team. Te- well, I, I think that we as groups, as individual groups, whether it's Tea Party, Moms for Liberty, or whatever group it is, uh, if we get together and act in unison, it sends a very powerful yeah. message. Like I've been, I've been running my Tea Party. I've been active, one of the founders back in March of 2009. And just last Monday, we had our meeting, and we're still highly active. When they hear that we are taking on an issue, our local county council listens. If I send something up to the state, the state representatives are like, okay, what's going on? Can we come and talk to your people? When you band together as for a single issue, I don't mean taking on 15 issues all over, but concentrate on the single most important ones, and concentrate on those instead of trying to do everything all over the place, you can make a powerful impact. Uh, a couple of years ago, we battled them on a tax increase, and we resoundingly won. And depending upon where in the county you voted, it was anywhere from 70 to 85% voting against the tax because we all coalesced around a single issue. And we got everyone else around us involved whether it was the Republican Party or any other conservative group, with men's, the Men's Republican or Men's Federation, whatever it is, we all got together and we acted as one, and I think we can do that. And I think we as Americans are starting to turn. Now, Chris, if you noticed just recently, we had at, um, oh, God, what was the name? Asbury College in Kentucky, where they had that two-week-long uh, revival. It started off as yes. just a simple prayer meeting that just bloomed into this huge two-week-long revival that no one ever expected that would occur. And you're seeing bit by bit people are starting to come back to faith because they realize something's missing. There's not a higher purpose out there for them to excel to. And when they feel like something's missing, they're going to either go one way dark or they're going to seek, seek the light. And I think more good people are starting to seek the light and I think we have a chance to turn our nation around. I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, Chris, but I, I've got hope. Well, I have hope at the local level, I must say, and I echo what CS was saying. Uh, and we're work, working very actively along those lines. I am unfortunately not especially optimistic about Washington, D.C. And I, I note that uh, Larry was talking about the ultimate possibility that we would have essentially a, a violent revolution in some form. I'm pretty sure that's what he was talking about. 
Well, let's hope it, yeah, it doesn't I'm, I'm come to that. that. I'm not for that. Like I said, I'm for tweaking what we have. One of the reasons is because um, there was a his name was Lincoln for the Civil War to, you know, to maintain the Constitution that we have that the founders left for us. Even though there were secessions all across the board, he to to keep us together as a, un, a union, and that's one of the reasons why I think because so many were lost during that time over six hundred twenty thousand, you know, combined. We mm-hmm. should try to keep what we have, just get rid of the corruption and the bad people. Well, now I understand. Chris, I don't. We do that. Maybe we do it at the ballot box. Maybe. Well, Chris, you have a very interesting movie that you produced three years ago called America in Peril. And that is a highly eye-opening movie, which I recommend others to view. And you go through um, a list of them at the end of what the communist goals are. And if people were to stop and look at this list that goes back to, let me make sure I get this book correctly. Um, Oh, God, I just had a major brain fart. The the book is The the Naked Communist. Right, by Cleon Slowskin. Slowskin? I can't pronounce that. The Naked Communist. I was just looking for it in my my notes. Um, Right. Where he outlines in his book, which I do have, I didn't realize, I have read the book. (laughs) I've read so many books. I had to go back onto my Kindle, and I found all the highlights from the last time I read it. Um, Outlines 45 specific things that need to occur for communism to come to roost here in America. And all 45 have, in one form or another, been implemented in the United States. Correct. So uh, you just gave me an idea. Uh, Maybe what we ought to do is put our heads together and make a list of things that need to come to pass in order to turn this around. Ah, well, we can start with U.S. acceptance of coexistence as the only alternative to atomic war. Um, we have used the threat of equal annihila- annihilation to stay the atomic war. But suddenly now in Ukraine, it doesn't seem like it's all that bad to allow a bomb to go off in Ukraine or Crimea or anywhere else. It's like suddenly, okay, fine. Um, just don't bomb the United States. Well, I'm sorry. Well, there's a lot feel like you, talk, that's for sure. You have the liberty. If you allow them in one spot, you're going to bring it home here. And oh yeah, isn't it? Aren't we finding a record number of illegal aliens of Chinese who are Chinese nationalists in the United States? You don't think they're already planning that here? Well, we were we were spent we spent years also monitoring the um, flood of illegals with an Islamic background. And uh, Mm -hmm. I made another film on that subject several years before. One of the things that we showed was how potential terrorists come from the Middle East, go to an area in deep in South America, which is at the border of Uruguay, Argentina, and Brazil, where they basically learn Spanish. Yes, the triangle. And they take on basically a Latin identity and then attempt to cross into the United States and frequently are successful. They are in place already. 
Now, I do recall, and uh, from the life of me, I cannot find the article. It was either uh, Newsweek or Time. And it was, let's see, I came here in 2001. This had it been somewhere around between 1998 and 2000. There was an article on the front cover. It was OTMs, other than Mexicans. And it was a huge article yeah. in there talking about other than Mexicans crossing the border. Now, this is before 9-11, before 2001, yes. just, I believe, two or three years before. And they were talking about signs that are along the border written in Chinese to facilitate their illegal migration, telling them where to go. Uh, they were finding prayer shawls, uh, Korans being uh, discarded in the desert so they can take on this identity, which the drug cartels helped them to assume. So Hezbollah and all the others are working in concert in the Golden Triangle with these Muslim terrorists to facilitate their ability to come into the United States. So 9-11 may have come by hijackers who came here legally to be studied, but how many do we have sleeper cells that we are unaware of? And, oh, yeah, the drug cartels said because, oh, your border is so free, we're going to set up stations, our cartel stations, here inside the United States. That's how emboldened they are now. Oh, but then we can have the Mexican army set up their their stations inside the United States, too. Why not now allow the Chinese police to set up stations in the United States? What's next? Russians? Oh, wait a minute. They already have substations that we're not talking about. This is crazy. That's true. That's true. You can tell I'm on a rant today. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think these are very interesting facts to be pointing out. What do you think, CS? Well, I think we have to do something, and something soon, because like Larry said, when you think about it, we still got another year and some months with Biden who can completely destroy this this country and there's nothing we really can do. I mean, our leaders are kind of like AWOL. And they do, like he says, a lot of um, optics, you know, being in front of the camera with the sleeves rolled up and talking a good talk. But um, what are they really doing, you know? I don't see them coming to the defense of Trump. And not Trump per se, but, the, you know, what's going on, you know? If they can do that with with a president and a powerful um, um, billionaire, us peons have no no chance. And for that reason, I believe we should be standing up for what's being done to this man. He's being persecuted. And for most of them, the uh, rhinos and the establishment, they don't care about the principles. They just want him out, out of the way so they can go on I'm doing business as as usual, you know, maintain the status quo, you know, and that's that's serving their own self-interest and not the country, so the citizens. So I really believe um, we we have to do something. And as far as I I know, you know, as far as what we can do is just to continue to wake people up, you know, with the truth. And so when it comes voting day. You know, they can make the right choice. I'm against all of this um, early voting and and not so much that to to the degree I am against 
extending voting past election day, which a lot of liberal um, states are doing. Because when they do that, they know how many votes they need to make up for. And it's just it's just pure corruption. So I always maintain that the power remains with the citizen. And I think this is it's the citizen that's going to resolve this issue, not the politician, not the court system. It's going to be the citizen. We have to rise. That's my point, you know, my views on this. Okay, so that all makes sense. That rising, however, depends on a couple of things, one of which is leadership. And as you there, the leadership, at least in Congress, in Washington, is not on our side or even active at all, really, making a lot of noise. Um, Donald Trump is the most likely leader, but he's the one they're attacking. And they could, I mean, I hate to think it, they could conceivably incapacitate him with legal blockage. Um, and on well, the other hand, those of us who are supportive of Donald Trump uh, would be much more aggravated and uh, aroused. So I don't know how it turns out, but I know that the revolution came about after years of effort to get the king to pay attention. Benjamin Franklin was in London for 10 years trying to get Lord North to pay attention to him. Instead, they just mocked him as a, as a hick, a hayseed. And finally, in the colonies, the things boiled over. People said, okay, enough already. Mm-hmm. And see, that's why what I'm saying doesn't on leadership, per se, relies on the people. It's going to take people like like me, Andy, and groups like the party, um, Trump clubs, and whoever else is out there educating people, letting them know what's going on that, you know, because most, most people in the urban areas, they're, let's, let's be honest, you know, they're being led by um, the liberal media and, and liberal leaders who are lying to them 24 seven. And I've learned that once you awaken them, um, that turns off their faucet. I mean, I look at the, um, reports on the viewership of like CNN and like last week, I think it had has had its lowest viewership in years. I don't think that's just happenstance. I think there's uh, something going on in the country uh, undercurrent. And just like um, during the tea party, it was the people who got tired of of being uh, subjects to the crown and they rose up. And and I think that's what we have to do today we we don't necessarily need a leader to do that, even though you're going to have voices out there that that represents us. But we we have to to all be unified in that one voice and and take action. You know, if it means going to D.C., 20 million of us, that's going to garnish the attention of somebody. They can't rest 20 million people. They don't have that many jails in all the the, the whole East Coast. <laughs> so, you know, we, we just have to um, let the government know we're not afraid of them. And they do intimidate us when they do this January 6th type um, Gestapo, you know, putting people in jail and, and just usurping their rights and things like that. We have to stand you, up, you know. You you are an optimist, I think. <laughs> I'm, um, and, I am. And you may be unconcerned that, um, what we found out during the Chinese communist virus 
business is that the general public is easily manipulated by fear um, and oh, yeah. easily malleable and willing to take orders without any justification, and they did. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, that, that tells me that, that we, the general population is, uh, should we say, weak? How's that sound? Well, well you got to remember, say... so, so you got to remember, our revolution was fought by only ten percent of the people, uh, sure. not by ninety percent. And so, yes, th- th- there are sheeple out there, but there there is little hope because when there was a protest outside for the courthouse in Manhattan, supposedly for Trump, uh, and the crowd was getting a little unruly, someone made a comment and said that cannot be Trump supporters. Why? Because everyone was wearing a mask. So <laughs> there is hope. <laughs> it cannot possibly be Trump supporters because they're wearing masks, you idiot. Oh, meanwhile, I, I have we to, gotta. I have to remain positive because any any other way is kind of defeatist to me. I mean, it's like why even bother? Look at the look at the the challenges we face, the uphill battles. But then I, I look at what George Washington had to go through and, and that, that, that terrible winter at Valley Forge. And he never gave up hope. You know, he could have he could have said, look, you know, enough is enough. Let's go home, you know. But he didn't, you know. He believed in his cause, and he was ready to die for his cause. And many of his men, too, um, they didn't have food. They were getting paid. Some of them didn't have socks. But, you know, he stayed the course. And Lincoln did the same thing, you know. He he wasn't winning a lot of battles until he actually put Ulysses S. Grant in charge, and then that turned the tide um, between um, Grant and Sherman. But um, we we just we we have to stay positive, I guess, because um, only then can we move forward, you know. And that's well, Curtis, we got. Personal. We we got someone here in the studio. Let's see who we got here as a caller. Uh, Eric Code coming out of Illinois. Uh, you're on the air live with Southern Sense. I'm your hostess, uh, Annie Ubelis, along with my guest co-host, Chris Kessler, and my co-host, C.S. Bennett. To whom am I speaking? Joshua. How you doing, ma'am? Hi, Joshua. I have a quick question or comment for our guest and uh, my co-host. Um, I, I just wanted to point out it's kinda of like that Michael Malice opinion. It's like um the white the white pill that he just released, a book that he just released, it's that uh, you can throw ninety percent of turmoil, everything is terrible for all people at all times, everything is terrible. But at the end of the day, you have it better than your ancestors and their ancestors and their ancestors. You know, I, I wouldn't kinda of dwell you think we're not going to come out of this on top? We're going to come out of this on top. This nonsense, all this transgenderism and Ukraine wars and China and all this other nonsense, historically we have gone through so much worse. I mean, yeah, now it's shiny objects because it's so presented in our faces all the time, but we always come out on top. So I just want well, to throw I that hope so. into the ether. Uh, all right. Th- thank you for your comment, Joshua. All right, but there's, there's this is this is where I recommend people to see your movie there, uh, America in Peril, which produced in 2020, to see how we have started to give away our liberties and freedoms. So yes, we may be economically and 
health-wise better off than our ancestors, but we're not going to stay that way if we continue to cede our liberties and our freedoms. Am I looking at this correctly, Chris? I agree. Uh, The caller is correct. We frequently come out on top, um, often after a great struggle. But I would submit that the mood, the the atmosphere today is comparable to what the country faced in 1861. I would say that uh, conditions today are not unlike they were in 1775. So... Obviously, it's hard to compare them directly because we have different technologies, more people, better eating, you know, better food, what have you. But I think in terms of individual and and uh, religious liberty, for instance, I think that we're definitely um, under under siege on those fronts. I think the government is very clear on what they're attempting to do. They want to disarm us. They have very effectively taken control of the media. Um, I have a friend who's now deceased, but he was a a young man in Hungary uh, when the communists took over after World War II. And uh, he asked me, I remember, because we were working on on, uh, defending our Second Amendment rights at the time, just some years ago. And uh, he remember him asking me, he said, well, what do you think the communists did first? I said, oh, I thought they took the guns. He said, no, they took the radios. They confiscated all the radios in Hungary. Once they, they once they had control, in effect, of communications, then the rest was relatively easy. And as you may have pointed out a few minutes ago, CS, people are watching CNN or they're tapped into TikTok or they're they're being manipulated by the information they absorb. Now they choose to absorb it because they've got an infinite number of sources. But people are not. Um, should we say, careful about where they get their data. Uh, I like to think I am. I'm careful about it. I do pay attention to lots of sources. But I'm also aware that the mainstream sources are heavily influenced by um, other people's controls. We just had proof that the FBI was directly involved in, in Twitter feeds, you know, either suppressing it or putting it false information out there. I mean, that's just one indication. We know that the other agencies were doing the same thing, and the general public was sucking it right up. Now, on the other side of it, when they were, they felt that the the president Donald Trump was was putting out information that was damaging to the leftist cause, or was just frankly truthful, they took him off the air, bang, just like that. So, I'm not sure that today's conditions are necessarily better than they were at an earlier time. No, and I'm not sure that you, the solution, you as Mr. Clayman hinted, isn't any different. I'm not certain we're not facing some sort of violent confrontation. You know, uh, the other thing I would well, mention is that those both the revolution and the Civil War were preceded by major uh, revivals in this country. And you mentioned what's going on at Asbury. That may be an indicator that we're in the same situation as they were then, that, that, that while people are um, disturbed, angry, uh, disappointed, uh, disenfranchised, at the same time, Jesus is making the scene again. So I yeah. don't know what the connection is, but there it is historically. Well, you know, I've, I've interviewed several people who converted from Islam to Christianity, and they talk about seeing Isu, which is the Muslim name for Jesus Christ. Uh, but now I was reading a recent article uh, that it, 
what I saw 10 years ago has been multiplied on, a, on an enormous, enormous level. There are mass conversions, and each person that they spoke to asking about their conversion, whether it was immediate or over a long period of time, it was guided by the vision of Christ. And every last one of them sees him in a white robe. Now, you can't, you can't say that's mass hysteria, especially when, heaven forbid, you even mention the thought of possibly converting to Christianity. In under the Quran, you're executed. That is a death sentence. And not only that, it's a possible death sentence for your family. You know, there's, there's so many things that are going on today that we see before there's a huge uh, 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 turmoil. Uh, look going into heading to World War I and World War II, the economic crisis that occurred in both instances. The downsizing of our military in both instances. So once we entered war, we were on double time just to rebuild our forces so we could get into the fight. And there were so many things that were going on prior that is now happening today. And now when you look at these 45 goals of communism, and you can tick them off one after another uh, to take control of the schools and the education, gain control of the student newspapers, use the students to foment riot, uh, infiltrate the press, gain control of radio and TV, um, degrade the American culture in forms of artistic expression, um, control art critics and art director museums. The museum in Brooklyn, New York, that had the Virgin Mary covered in feces. Now, had that been... Mohammed covered in feces, there would have been a major riot and criminal charges. But because it's a Christian, it's okay. You can't talk about that. Uh, going after dissolving the family of moral values and sexual promiscuity and degradation. These are all things. Eliminate prayer. You can't say prayer in public. I had one of my members go to court on some minor ticket or whatever it was and the case got dismissed and she said oh thank god in court before the judge and he says you can't say that here you can't say oh thank god when you get your case dismissed that's that's next that's unbelievable you no longer can have preaching on the corner because now you're a new noise nuisance so that they can eliminate your publicly preaching uh, these are all things that are, are happening today. You can go down, discredit the founding fathers. Oh, wait a minute. You can't believe in the founding fathers because they're slaveholders. So how can they give us the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, which led to the freedom of slaves? <laughs> and, you know, Not only that, Annie, they, they won't let people of self go into the schools and talk about true history. Because um, no. it would a bad light on the Democrat Party. So they just with politics and discuss politics. I'm like, what? That's our history. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. still politics. Yeah. So we, yeah, they, um, draft queens and stuff come in the school system, indoctrinate our, our you know, young people. 
you know, we can go on and down this list, Chris, and one after another, take control of the uh, psychiatric profession and use mental health laws, uh, red flag laws, as means of gaining coercive control. Um, raise children away from the influence of parents. Uh, Jesus, create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of American tradition. So if you are someone that believes in the Constitution and the founding principles, you are a terrorist. You are a domestic terrorist. And you're violent, heaven forbid. You know, so much of this, bring the world court into our judicial system, which is what they're doing now. They want who to control our, our, our medical professions. So now you have nothing. Now you're not worrying about just government between you and your doctor through Obamacare. Now you have to deal with who. So who, and then the government, and then your doctor. They have been doing one after another after another. And you ask, Chris, what do we do? We take each one of these one by one, and we undo them. Well, again, I'm encouraged because what I'm seeing here at the local level is positive. I don't know whether it whether it ultimately filters up, um, or whether we wind up with a, with secession or something like it. I don't know, but I, I am encouraged by what I'm seeing here. And we're going to continue yeah. the work. We're going to continue it. And what we have I to have do here. is, mm. what it's up to someone like me and Curtis and you is to expose what's behind it. For example, Black Lives Matter. We can trace it directly back to the Communist Manifesto. Uh, so many things that are out there. Antifa, again, trace it all the way back. Um, there's so many things we can do to expose the truth. But we have to be prepared to know that we will be attacked. And that happened to me last show. I went into Gitmo on Facebook, on, on YouTube once again. They took down my one channel. Cannot get that back up at all, so all the followers are gone. And now I started a new one with only a handful, and as soon as I start to get a handful to see the YouTube videos, they take me down again. You can't post for another week. That's strike one. So I'm waiting to see how long before they ban that channel once again. Well, for what it's worth, it's only a week. Well, it's it's a, it's actually an affirmation of what you're doing, even if it does cost you a, a week of silence. Now, my well, friends, I'm going to have to excuse myself. I have another engagement I have to get to, and I have really enjoyed this this opportunity to talk with you and your guest. And um, hopefully, we can do it again sometime soon. Well, Chris, thank you very much. And people can go to your website, which Follow is me. your name. And learn more about you and about all the films you've worked on, where all of your art, your photo displays that have been, where they can find out more about you. It's your name, and there's a link on the show page. People click on it, they can go directly to you and find out more. And Thank watch you. the film, America in Peril. That's, a, that's, that's the most important thing right now, because that directly relates to everything we're talking about. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll get you back on. All right. Look forward to it. Thank you, CS. You're welcome. All right. We'll be talking. Chris Kastler. Bye. His last name is C-A-S-L-E-R. Chris, C-A-S-L-E-R dot com. Check him out. Um, I pulled this up. <clears throat> it was sent to me by a friend, Will, and 
reading it, I said, holy cow. Now, um, I'm going to read the email, so that way you get the whole thing. Uh, This is dark and eye-opening email about what the future of America is going to be. Everyone, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, and independent, should read it, digest it, and think of the powerful message presented about the future that we had hoped for our children, grandchildren, and beyond. This email was dated 2018. And then he adds on the end, the pace has accelerated. And this is the original email from 2018. We know Dick Lamb as governor of Colorado. In that context, his thoughts are particularly poignant. Last week, there was an immigration overpopulation conference in Washington, D.C., filled to capacity by many of America's finest minds and leaders. A brilliant college professor by the name of Victor Hansen Davis talked about his latest book, Mexifornia, explaining how immigration, both legal and illegal, was destroying the entire state of California. He said it would march across the country until it destroyed all vestiges of the American dream. Moments later, former Colorado Governor Richard D. Lamb stood up and gave a stunning speech on how to destroy America. The audience sat spellbound as he described eight methods for the destruction of the United States. He said, if you believe that America is too smug, too self-satisfied, too rich, then let's destroy America. It's not that hard to do. No nation in history has survived the ravages of time. Arnold Toynbee observed that all great civilizations rise and fall and that an autopsy of history will show that all great nations commit suicide. Here's how they do it, Lamb said. First, to destroy America, turn America into a bilingual or multilingual or bicultural country. History shows that no nation can survive the tension, conflict, and antagonism of two or more competing languages and cultures. It is blessing for an individual to be bilingual. However, it is a curse for a society to be bilingual. The historical scholar Seymour Lipset put it this way. The histories of bilingual and bicultural societies that do not assimilate are histories of turmoil, tension, and tragedy. <clears throat> Canada, Belgium, Malaysia, and Lebanon all face crises of national existence in which minorities press for autonomy, if not independence. Pakistan and Cyprus have divided. Nigeria suppressed an ethnic rebellion. France faces difficulties with Basques, Bretons, Corsicans, and Muslims. He went on, second to destroy America, invent multiculturalism and encourage immigrants to maintain their culture. Make it an article of belief that all cultures are equal, that there are no cultural differences. Make it an article of faith that the black and Hispanic dropout rates are due solely to prejudice and discrimination by the majority. Every other explanation is out of bounds. Third, we could make the United States a Hispanic Quebec without much effort. The key is to celebrate diversity rather than unity. As Benjamin Schwartz said in the Atlantic Monthly recently, the apparent success of our multi-ethnic and multicultural experiment 
might have been achieved not by tolerance, but by hegemony. Without the dominance that once dictated ethnocentricity and what it meant to be an American, we are left with only tolerance and pluralism to hold us together. Lamb said, I would encourage all immigrants to keep their own language and culture. I would replace the melting pot metaphor with the salad bowl metaphor. It is important to ensure that we have various cultural subgroups living in America enforcing their differences rather than as Americans emphasizing their similarities. Fourth, I would make our fastest growing demographic demographic group the least educated. I would add a second underclass, an unassimilated, undereducated, and antagonistic to our population. I would have this second underclass have a 50% dropout rate from high school. Does any of this sound familiar? My fifth point for destroying America would be to get big foundations and businesses to give these efforts lots of money. Again, sound familiar? I would invest in an ethnic identity. I would establish the cult of victimology. I would get all minorities to think that their lack of success was the fault of the majority. I would start a grievance industry blaming all minority failure on the majority. Again, sound very familiar today. My sixth plan for America would include dual citizenship and promote divided loyalties. I would celebrate diversity over unity. I would stress differences rather than similarities. Diverse people worldwide are mostly engaged in hating each other. That is, when they are not killing each other. A diverse, peaceful, or stable society is against most historical precepts. People undervalue the unity it takes to keep a nation together. Look at the ancient Greeks. The Greeks believed that they belonged to the same race. They possessed a common language and literature. They worshipped the same gods. All Greeks took part in the Olympic Games. A common, common enemy, Persia, threatened their liberty. Yet all these bonds were not strong enough to overcome two factors. Local patriotism and geographical conditions that nurtured political divisions. Greece fell. E pluribus unum, from many one. In that historical reality, we put the emphasis on pluribus instead of the unum. We will balkanize America surely as Kosovo. Next to last, and this is important, folks. Listen carefully what he said. I would place all subjects off limit. Make it taboo to talk about anything against the cult of diversity. I would find a word similar to heretic in the 16th century that stopped discussion and paralyzed thinking. Oh, gee, you mean like bigot? Words like racist or xenophobe halt discussions and debate. Having made America a bilingual, bicultural country, having established multiculturalism, having the large foundations from the doctrine of victimology, I would next make it impossible to enforce our immigration laws. I would develop a mantra that because immigration has been good for America, it must always be good. I would make every individual immigrant symmetric and ignore the cumulative impact of millions of them. In the last minute of his speech, Governor Lamb wiped his brow. Profound silence followed. Finally, he said, Lastly, I would censor 
Victor Hansen Davis's book, Mexifornia. His book is dangerous. It exposes the plan to destroy America. If you feel America deserves to be destroyed, don't read that book. There was no applause. A chilling fear quietly rose like an ominous cloud above every attendee at the conference. Every American in that room knew that everything Lamb enumerated was proceeding methodically, quietly, darkly, yet pervasively across the United States today. Discussion is being suppressed. Over 100 languages are ripping the foundation of educational system and national cohesiveness. Every barbaric culture that practices female genitalia mutilation are growing as we celebrate diversity. American jobs are vanishing into the third world as corporations create a third world in America. Take note of California and other states. To date, this is 19, I'm sorry, 2018, to date, 10 million illegal aliens and growing fast it is reminiscent of George Orwell's book, 1984. In that story, three slogans are engraved in the Ministry of Truth. Now, remember, they wanted to start a Ministry of Truth here in the United States under the Department of Homeland Security, and that's what they called it. On that building was war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. Governor Lamb walked back to his seat. It dawned on everyone in that conference that our nation and the future of this great democracy is deeply in trouble and worsening fast. We don't get this immigration monster stopped within three years. It'll rage like a California wildfire and destroy everything in its path, especially the American dream. Wow. Well, as you know, Nikita Khrushchev summed it all up in almost one sentence, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, we will not destroy America with a mighty military, but from within. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's exactly what's going on. And we didn't listen well, to this we have, guy. Well, we have to take every one of these things that Governor Lamb talked about, these 45 things that are in the Communist Manifesto to destroy America. We have to take every last one of them, one by one, and confront them, expose them for what they are, and claw back on them. It's the only way we could do this. And I agree. I agree. Um, the, the warnings, the warning signs been out there for a decade, starting with our school system and some of the changes they made up to the point where they do not even <laughs> teach cursive writing, you know, um, when I was coming up to school, we had electric shop, had um, wood shop, metal shop, auto shop. A lot of that's gone now, and um, it's it's just a shame that uh, we're making our children less intelligent and less productive, um, even though we're becoming more logically advanced. Um, these these folks yeah. cannot um, add unless they got a, a a computer or a calculator or something. They, they can't figure it out in their heads. That That is disturbing. 
No, what, well, it's not just decades. This Communist Manifesto came out, these 45 points, in 1920. It's been 103 years ago. And over that 100 years, one by one, they have been attacking each one. And they have gone down the entire list and hit all 45 of them. Now, <clears throat> make you a little bit more frightened than before, excuse me for the cough, Xi was just in Moscow with his best buddy, Vladimir Putin. They're buddy buddies here. They're, they're tight as anything. They call each other dear friend. One of the last things Xi said before he left, as he was walking out the room to go back home, he turned around to Putin and said, watch, we are nearing the 100-year plan. He knows China had a 100-year plan. This communist manifesto was part of Chinese policy. It's part of Russian policy. They know that they've ticked off all 45 things and we're about ready to fall. And folks, we've got to wake up. We've got to realize what is going on here. Right now, a huge push is going on to make Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, which in the Constitution falls underneath the federal legislation. There are laws, there are policing, and everything is to be controlled by the federal legislation. The legislative, our Congress is supposed to take care of the District of Columbia so it stays neutral. It doesn't become a state. But they want to make it a state. Even more than that, they want to make it that if you reside in the District of Columbia for 30 days, you can vote. Now, it doesn't require you to be a U.S. citizen. It doesn't require for you to be a U.S. resident, only to reside in the District of Columbia for 30 days. Now, think about that. How many embassies... How many foreign dignitaries and staff, like, say, from Russia and China, who are already living in Washington, D.C., year-round, that's more than 30 days, now have the ability to vote in Washington, D.C.? Now, they say only in election, local elections, but once these people in mass descend on the polling places, oh, wait a minute, they're going to have too many now, so now you can have mail-in voting. Or ballot harvesting. So there's no guarantee on whether or not they are actually only voting in local elections or if they are a U.S. citizen. They don't require them to be a U.S. citizen. Just reside in Washington, D.C. 30 days. So now illegal aliens, criminals, I mean, you're released from jail or you're in a, incarcerated within Washington, D.C., so therefore you're living in D.C. for 30 days. You can vote. Anyone, just as long as you, how many people are going to move to Washington, D.C., stay in a hotel or take a mobile home and park it in the, behind Walmart? You're living in Washington, D.C. for 30 days. You can now vote. And then you go back to the state that you actually reside in and vote there, too. There is no breaks on this. And imagine them now being the 51st state and forever we will have the socialist Democrats in charge of our nation. 
we will never see a Republican, much less a conservative or libertarian, ever hold office, majority office. Lose the Congress, lose the Senate, lose the White House. And we will never have a voice in America again. We're coming that close, folks. That is how close we're coming. Oh, yeah. And I believe, like <laughs> like Rush Limbaugh said, um, and he rests in peace. When we get into um, leadership um, um, at the at the Capitol, we still we still um, govern as though we're the underdogs. You know, we're not not in in in, in power. And he said a, a dangerous um, and fault with the Republican leadership. They don't know how to lead or empower. It's almost like you know they're they're afraid <laughs> or uneasy about being in power, even though they seek power. So we we need more people in there, like um, Ted Yoho, you know, our friend Ted Yoho, who believe in the mm-hmm. principles that this country was founded on. And I believe if we get enough of those, we can turn the tide and get some things straightened out. You know, I really worry about. All of this talk about, you know, to, you know, going away in a new direction or, or, you know, just getting rid of the Constitution or whatever and starting over again. I think we can work through this. Mm. What's your well, take? Sasquatch, well, I want to just make a note that uh, Bigfoot, or I call him Sasquatch, uh, made a note that uh. in Islam... Uh, Images of Muhammad are forbidden, and he is correct, but that doesn't mean someone's not going to go out there and do that. If anything, to stir up trouble, knowing full well it would rile people and get them angry and probably even cause a riot and destruction of property. And it's, oh, well, no, you don't understand or, your Islam, Islamophobia. Or I'm sorry, I, my tongue is tight. Yeah, it would be a fatwa on, a fatwa. on whatever. If you say something bad about Muhammad, oh yeah, like that writer. Yeah. Well, like I said, and he's still is, living in hiding. Is, yep, uh, uh, Salam Rashid. Yeah. Um, That's it. Yeah. 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 I remember and the name of fact, his book, but uh, oh jeez, it's made him a target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, somebody in the chat is, room might remember. If, if someone does, just post the name of the, the book in the chat room, please, that we can remember. I I know I had it, and I, I loaned it to someone and never got it back. Is oh, that satanic it? Verses. Satanic verses. Yeah, yeah like that. satanic verses. That's, right. that's what it oh, is, yep. The old man. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, like I said, there is some hope, because as of yesterday, Newsmax is back on um, the AT&T platforms. DirecTV and AT&T yeah, reinstated them officially yesterday so they are back up which means our voices do count these woke companies we have to be more bold more daring now in saying we're not going to support the woke agenda um which brings me to mind that uh, creepy uncle joe president biden is signing an executive order uh i'm trying to think of how that order is being worded 
these uh, pension plans that you have, uh, your retirement plans, a lot of these investment plans are now going into the ESG, the, um, oh, good Lord, the equity, social, and governance, these woke companies. They're making investments into these woke companies, which, like Solyndra, invested in the ESG companies uh, that supported DIE, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, all these woke companies, they're going belly up because no one is buying their crap. Their stocks are sinking, and that's what Solyndra invested in, these things. But oh, Biden wants your pension, your retirement money, your money to be now invested in these woke companies. So, folks, if you don't get after these investment managers and say, don't you dare put my money in there, you may just lose your retirement. And Biden is signing an executive order to make it illegal to prohibit them from investing in them. Meanwhile, you have certain states, which I believe Florida is one of them, that said uh, you can't force people to invest in these companies. They don't want their money in there. You can't put it in there. And it took out all the uh, government pensions out of that system and said, no, you do not put their money in these shaky businesses. Because they are. If they are woke, they're shaky. And they're going to go after you one way or another. And if you are in the poorhouse and you have no, you are now going to become more dependent upon government. And that's the whole thing. They want to take our independence away from us our self-reliance away from us. They need you to depend upon government. So the more you're dependent upon your smart device, the more you're dependent upon government telling you what to do, like the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates, and you adhere to them because government says it's good for you, and as it turns out, they were exactly the opposite, bad for you. Uh, The lockdowns were bad for the economy and bad for your mental health. But the government said, oh, it's okay. So if the government says it's okay, it must be good. So now <laughs> we're reliant on technology and government. And wait a minute, if you don't toe the line, we just may cut off your Social Security. That's going to be next. So they go after you with your finances. They go after you by controlling your telecommunications, like your friend Chris was saying in Hungary, what was the first thing they took away was their form of communicating, radios. So now you've got the 5G out there, and who developed the 5G? Communist China. Now, who is also coming out with all these smart devices that end up in your homes? They're coming out of China. I tick bought... TikTok. <laughs> yeah, TikTok. And where's most of our medications being manufactured? Coming out of communist China. Where's our clothing and our other electronic equipment coming out of? Communist China. I mean, I bought a cabinet, and I deliberately looked around to make sure it wasn't made in China. The box comes in and said, made in China. I had a refrigerator, a high-sense refrigerator. Now, I thought they came out of Georgia. No, the parent company is communist China. And all these refrigerators and stoves and TVs and everything else have smart technology in there where it communicates with you through your smart devices. 
don't just think that they are then able to control what you see and do. Alexa and all these other smart devices. Uh, there is a dangerous world out there, and it is now in technology. And we've got to be smart about how we use technology and how much we allow it in our lives and in our uh, smart devices. Yeah, man, you're right. Alexis especially. Alexis records everything. They'll Mm -hmm. know your conversations, your your eating habits, your discussions with each other, your sex life, you name it. Arguments. Yeah. They can hear all this through Alexis. Your, your vehicles now that you are driving, the smart technology in there will know where you're going, how fast you are going, whether or not you're within the speed limit or not. And then you have companies that give you these little plug-ins to, into your vehicles so that you can get these, quote, wonderful discounts on your insurance. And yet everything you do is tracked. Now, point in case, the Murdoch case, the Murdoch murder case. How did they trace the actions of Alex Murdoch the night of the murders through his smart device? They knew exactly where he went, when he went, who he called, who he spoke to. Everything. Big Brother is out there big time. If you got Google enabled on your phone or your smart device, it tracks your movements and will actually... If you're, if you're kind enough, you go on to Google, you can actually get the map of everywhere you've been over the last year. It is a scary world out there. Big Brother is here. And I was starting to say that my computer that I use this broadcast on, the camera is separate. So when I go off air and I'm done, that camera is turned off. A lot of you people have your laptops up or whatever. You think you have to manually turn the No, no, no. No, the computer will turn the camera on for you. Or someone can ro- act remote, remotely access your, your computer or smart device and access the camera and the microphone and your call record and everything else you put on your device, which is one of the reasons why I don't put a lot of stuff up on social network unless it's for the show or for the tea party. That's another thing because they're out there watching and collecting that data. And I'll tell you what. It's even more pervasive than that because your data is for sale, not just on the dark web, anywhere. I mean, folks, I'm not going to lie. I turned 65 in two months. And for the last three months, I have been getting at one point up to seven to eight calls a day for someone trying to sell me a Medicare medical plan. Your, your data is out there. And I actually had someone yesterday had the audacity to pull up in my driveway and I step out like, I got a long driveway, Curtis. You know, you know my driveway. It's a long driveway. And it, oh, yeah. you have to make a deliberate move to accidentally on purpose end up in my driveway. Well, she parks in the driveway and she's waving a birthday card in her hand. I'm here to give you a birthday because my, and you're, I'm, I'm going to buy a Medicare plan from you parked in my driveway waving a birthday card. I don't know you from Adam, lady. Get out. But this is how much. I mean, they know everything about you, folks. And you use those little discount little things you keep on your keychain to go through the grocery store. They track what you eat and what you, whether, how much you're buying alcohol or other medications. They know exactly what you're buying. 
You think, you know, the ads when you go online are pervasive because they know what you went surfing for? They know what you eat, folks. They know what deodorant you use, what soap and shampoo you use, and whether or not you bought that X-rated toy. (laughs) Man, you know, they know it. They know it. And we, like sheep, fall in line. We just fall in line like sheep. And we've got to start to take our lives back. Yeah, and we have to become and more self-sufficient. Our lives and country and schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the way we do it. Yeah, it's not and, just uh, the public cameras anymore. It's it's you're the walking camera. You're the walking information machine. That's so true. I'm waiting for my friend Mark Tapscott to call Mark. in. Just, just waiting for him to call in. So hopefully he'll be joining us within a few minutes. I'm starting to lose my voice here. <laughs> oh, I'm talking no, so much today. <laughs> I, I thought me and Chris did a good job. <laughs> Letting you rest a little. He's, oh, he's well. a very knowledgeable person, very accomplished. We got to get him back on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just asking him um, to call in. Um you're up. I heard okay, from my my friend. I heard from our friend Ted Yoho. He's over in Japan. Ooh, what's he doing over there? He only mentioned that um, he's been meeting in meetings with people over there, authority. So I really think he he may be thinking of uh, another run, and uh, maybe for the Senate. He just don't know. Because he, he's, he's, he's been to Vietnam um, in the last several months, and now he's in Japan. So I don't think he's just um, vacationing, not when he mentions he's in meetings. So mm. well, we might have to ask him, you know, <laughs> what, what he's up to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I had a bunch of stuff for Mark, and I don't know what I just did with all the stuff for him. I must have mixed it up with everyone else. Oh, man, Annie. Oh, ah, I can't believe this. Well, you know, <laughs> I hope he does call him because I, I had everything marked for him, and now I just mixed all my papers up. I got Hans. Where's Mark? Holy crap. Well, we always find stuff to talk to him about. Yeah. Right now, there's a little controversy going on here in Florida. Um, I think I sent you something about it. Um, It appears that the governor, Ron DeSantis, met with um, A.G. Garland a couple of weeks before they raided Mar-a-Lago, and he never tipped off Trump that this was going to happen. So this may become... um, a political um, minefield for DeSantis if he doesn't come out and refute this or explain why he had a secret meeting with one of the gatekeepers of the Biden administration, the Attorney, the attorney General, against Trump. Now, I, I, saw, uh, I saw that I saw that one article, and I didn't see anything uh, anything else about it. No, me neither. That's why he needs to come out and, I mean, he's going around like wildfire here in Florida. 
So I'm sure he's gotten wind of it. So if this meeting did happen, he needs to explain himself why he didn't um, tip off um, Trump or something, you know. And why was he meeting in secret with the attorney general anyway, knowing that they're after him, after Trump? So we'll find out in the days to come, maybe weeks. Well, this, this is a story that will grow. Well, there are several articles um, that are up there dealing with DeSantis meeting with Garland in reference to the mask mandates um, around the same time. So whether or not it had anything to do with the raid at Mar-a-Lago, we can't know unless something comes out of the governor's office. So it could have been something as innocent as meeting with Garland about the mask mandates. That's the only thing I have been following uh, that I've been seeing. Um, it's something to do with a, a memo that Garland sent, and DeSantis said the state won't be participating in anything there. Um, this goes back to October of 2021. Um, so Lord when, knows. When was the raid? I'm trying to think of when the raid was. Mm. But um, anyway, just, if he, this wasn't secret, you would have to have a cover story, and that would be a nice cover story, the mask. Mm. Well, but we'll see. We'll see. Because there's, there's, Cyberspace Command is the one that put out the article that you're citing. And I'm just pulling something else up that may debunk it or not. And mm-hmm. let's see. Um, this, my computer's a little bit slow. But in the interim, we got our friend Sweet Sue, which we have not spoken to in a while. And that's my bad because I have been so busy. I've not been able to pick up the phone and call her to see yeah. how she's doing. But Sweet Sue, how are you today? Good morning, honey. Good Hi. afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sweet Sue. Hi. Haven't heard your hey, voice in a while. Yeah, um, I finally got over the laryngitis. But anyway, I'm glad you're talking about DeSantis. I talked on Vito's show about him, and there's some things that are really bothering me right now, and I'd like your opinion of it. The first thing that came on my radar, and it really infuriated me, because DeSantis did not show up at CPAC, as did you know, most of them that went to the GOPAC or whatever you want to call it. They are all the rhinos, the nefarious ones, McConnell, you know, those types all formed their own, you know, alternate CPAC, and they called it D-O-P-A-C. And DeSantis didn't show up at CPAC, yet he put himself in with all of these uh, people that we really need to get out of the Republican Party. And that's one thing that's really bothering me, and I think it goes a little bit to character. Uh, Right now I feel he's doing a lot, you know, just to sell his book, not so much for maybe – uh, America. Now, I do acknowledge he's a fantastic governor. Um, I think if he was elected president, as far as domestically and in the United States, I, I think he could be a pretty good uh, president if he does not throw himself in with the people so far he has 
been shown doing. So there's, I'm starting to question his character and his motives, and is he a true politician? Uh, you know, Trump has nothing to gain by going through what he's going to go through, and, you know, Lord help him if he does get elected president, you know, but uh, I just like your opinion on that. That I mean, I I was really angry when I saw that go pack. I don't know how they're print, you know, what they're calling it, but when they had that a week after CPAC, and they, you know, CPAC to me is the core of the Republican Party. It's the conservatives, the people we need to support. Now I'm not saying the people who spoke necessarily Trump or whoever, but that's the organization that has been the conservative pushing force of uh, the Republican Party. You know, um, anyone elected to office has to be a a political animal in some form or another. Uh, What I've seen of DeSantis' actions as governor in Florida gives me hope, but when you see something going on behind the scene, you question what is he doing and what is he positioning himself for? Um, is he feeling the waters? Is he testing the waters to see if this is the time for him to run, or if he waits for his term to expire in twenty was it twenty twenty eight? I believe Curtis that he expires. Uh, twenty no, it can't be that long. Um, twenty 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 six, I believe. Oh, 24. Yeah, so, something like that. And so I really believe... you'd be looking to test the orders after that. I don't think he would be governor if it wasn't for the efforts of Trump during the um, closing weeks of the election. I mean, he was far behind um, the opponent. And is this the way you repay somebody that you elected? I feel that um, he should let Trump... Yeah, I think he should let allow... Trump to go ahead and fight his way back into the office that was stolen from him. So we have four years of Trump, and then DeSantis can come in for another eight years, you know, if he wins um, the office twice. I I think DeSantis would be a disaster foreign policy. I don't think he really has engaged in that area and that he knows that much. And if DeSantis would have thrown in with Trump and not done some of these things that he seems to be doing. I think a Trump DeSantis as DeSantis's vice president would be fantastic. Then in those four years, Trump could teach him about foreign policy and then he could step into the role of president. So I don't understand really what this man is doing that I'm becoming more and more leery of him because, uh, you know, all of this speaks really to character, too. And I think we saw with Pence, uh, his character. I never liked Pence. I thought he was shady from day one, you know, and and I said so, and then I thought, well, I'll give him a chance. But, um, yeah, yeah, the benefit, you know, the doubt. But, oh, and another thing, Curtis, you can answer this. Al said that if DeSantis puts his hat in and, you know, says he's running for 
presidency, from that day, he can no longer be governor. Is that true? Well, my understanding is that he's trying, and I don't know if this is true or not, but he's trying to get something passed um, at the state level that he can run as a candidate and both be, you know, governor. Ah. And that's what I heard. That there's so a bill right, that somebody sponsored. That right now, without that bill, if he did, you know, go into the primary, Run. he could no longer be governor. That's yes. correct. The, the, That's other, the other thing, too, is, Sue, you mentioned about you know, DeSantis being vice president to Trump. There would have to be a problem because one of them has to move out of the state of Florida. You cannot have vice president and president yeah. from the same state. <laughs> so... Which well, is why I, know, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking that DeSantis is going to wait until 2024 when he does leave office officially, build up his base, and then at that point, then run for president, which would make a lot more sense. That would be fantastic. You know, real quick, I want to ask you, too, what do you think about the Iranian drone killing an American in uh, Syria? And supposedly Biden has retaliated, but I haven't been able to find out what he did. Yeah. Oh, uh, just one other uh, thing I wanted to mention that Ron DeSantis oh, should okay. have some some foreign uh, back some foreign uh, political background because he was a member of the House of Rep- Representatives for Florida's sixth district between 2013 2018. So he would have been exposed to that. But I was looking to see. I, by the time I got on air, I didn't see anything that was going on. It was just something that they were going to have a strong response. I did not see what it was. Yeah, I I can't listen to the show and, you know, get on and, and delve into what they did. I, I'm kind of watching the news, but I can't hear it. And they put something on the bottom of it that Biden retaliated, that I haven't seen yeah. how he retaliated what he did. Well, I'm well, pulling something did. up right here. It looks like, according to Associated Press, um, the drone strike was yesterday, Thursday, which killed a U.S. contractor and wounded six other Americans. Uh, from what I understood, from what I heard on Newsmax, that they were uh, also workers uh, with military background. Um, the drone was Iranian or all right. They did airstrikes. The drone hit a coalition base in northern Syria. It was five American service members and a U.S. contractor. Now, what was the retaliation? Uh, the U.S. airstrikes hit targets in three towns in eastern Syria. Uh, videos on social media purported to show explosions in Dar el-Zwar, a strategic province that borders Iraq and contains oil fields. Um... They also had seen suspected airstrikes by Israel in recent months. But that's what it looks like. Uh, F-15 fires flew out of Qatar, and they hit this three locations in the vicinity of Deir el-Zawar. That's what I'm seeing. And, I mean, did they, like, kill, you know, when they did something, oh, I can't remember which country, remember Trump immediately, and we had the capability he killed that leader one strike. I think he was in his car, you know, and he said, you do anything else, you know, 
will get the other leaders, and they back totally off. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's what Biden should have done, but of course, you know, we're where we're at. And if anything else, Biden, if that he was doing strikes, he should have done some strikes around their, uh, oh, you know, uh, where they're making the bombs. The uranium. Well, the bomb, you know, in those the uranium, areas. though, right now, that's kind of hard because we, we talked about this on a previous show, uh, that their their processing lab is deep inside a mountain. And the only way to do that was would be to level the entire mountain, which we don't have the capacity to do. Uh, well, the destruction yeah, would be yeah, far I, too I see too that, but at least, at least bomb or do something right around that area. You know, maybe Iran doesn't know we have that capability. Who knows what capabilities we really have? Of course, I think Biden would have already left that out. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) if Trump was still in office, uh, you know, I think that would be definitely something he would be working on. And also, what is Israel, you know, what are they working on? Because they're going to have to stop this. You know, Iran is going to get the bomb, and then they're going to go after Israel. Uh, You know, and I think if it was Trump or somebody like that, they would be working with Israel also on the retaliation. And, you know, what to do. But anyway, yeah. With Netanyahu Netanyahu in office in Israel, you know he's not going to be sitting on his hands. He's already got something yeah. going on. I mean, if we could yeah. find a way to get a bunker buster bomb at, into the uh, lab, that would be fantastic. Uh, whether or not oh, we yeah. have the ability to do that and whether or not Israel wants to work with us, with Biden in office, because Lord knows what information will get leaked out. You know, at least with Trump, well, you know, it would be top secret. And then, boom, it's done. It's over. Now what? Well, you know, I I don't think there's any communication between Netanyahu because Biden is, you know, his puppeteer is Obama. And we all know that. We know Obama, this is his third term. And the way Netanyahu was treated by Obama and the disdain, I doubt very seriously. Oh, well, what about when uh, Obama, do you remember he went to dinner and instead of inviting Netanyahu, he left him sitting in that room. I mean, that's how bad he was. And I doubt very, and I don't, I never did hear that when Netanyahu came back into office that Biden congratulated him or spoke to him or anything. It, it, it was as if, you know, for Biden, it didn't happen. From my understanding, um, it was the Obama administration that that sent money and people over there to work against um, Netanyahu being yes. reelected. Yes. 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 yes, yes, and we're not supposed to be interfering with other countries' elections. And that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, no one, no that's one. Impeachable. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Where's the grand jury on that one? How huh, New York? Huh, oh, Alvin yeah. Bragg? Yeah, you know, it's a law for thee, but not for me. You know, what's what's going on with this Trump indictment is is mind-boggling. And if if it ever were to go through. It just 
it, you know, here's all these secret documents and everything that they found. And, you know, when when they did the invasion, you know, their thing on Mar-a-Lago, and Trump had invited them in at any time to come in. He put that lock on that door at the advice of the, you know, what was it, Justice Department or whatever. He wasn't trying to hide anything. And yet, Here's all these documents, and and you don't know how many documents uh, Biden actually had in his different places because any time, you know, Trump, they reported we have, you know, X amount of documents. When they talked about what they found uh, with Biden, they said, you know, we found items which could be an item could be a box with a hundred documents. They even worded that part of it differently. And the what they're doing to Trump and you know, look what they let Hillary Clinton get away with and they still haven't gone in and checked Obama. I can't even imagine the documents Obama has. Well, <laughs> I I am disturbed by the fact that people don't question and certain things to hear, like um, there's a radio show I listened to, um, Bryant um, Kill Me, and he had somebody yeah. on there, and they were trying to compare Trump and um, Biden's um, rape and stuff, and and the guy said something like, um, no one's above the law, you know, there should be equal justice, you know, between those two, and with right. Bryant that failed to say was, look, there's a difference here. Biden was vice president then. Trump was president. The president, he established what's top secret and what isn't. Biden had well, that authority. Know, and nobody makes that um, um, makes that notation there, you know? It drives well, me some crazy. Of the some of the documents of Biden go way back to when he was a senator. You know, that's vice president, you know, whether they can look at that stuff or even have access, but a senator, it goes back that far to when he was a senator. And, you know, just Dorney Daniels things, uh, look at all the money and the, the dealings between China and Iran, and he's got dealings with Ukraine that's coming out now. You know, but heaven forbid, you know, on the uh, the finance, you know, campaign thing, they're going after Trump. But look at all this kind of stuff that's going on. Oh, yeah. And every time they try to go go on Trump, it's disproven. You know, but and and uh, I was listening on one radio show, and they said that, um, you know, the Sunday morning when. Um, there was something that had come out uh, about Biden and, you know, in the hearings and everything. Not one minute was given to that, but almost the whole day on Sunday on your MSNBC and CBS, it was all about Trump and his misdeeds and him being the first president ever to be arrested and indicted. And, you know, before it was... uh, uh, it wasn't a felony, and this uh, prosecutor is raising it to a felony. Yet all of these it's not even criminals, a crime. 
I know. And all of these criminals that this prosecutor has been in charge of, he has decreased their felony charges down to misdemeanor. And yet with Trump, he took it from a misdemeanor to a felony. Well, the way he did that was not because of uh, the payoff, which is a Federal Election Commission violation, but he claims that he perjured himself on a document. And perjuring yourself on a government or a court document is a felony. And that's how what he's trying to do. Prove that he perjured himself. He, 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 he did a fraudulent thing using a court document. And that's what they're going after. Oh. Well, thanks oh. for clearing that up because I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and Nancy Pelosi, she destroyed government property in front of everybody at the State of the Union yeah. and she gets away with it. <laughs> When oh. she tore that, and the second that? she put it up in the air, I, was tore a it, I said she just committed a felony. The nation was a witness, and no one okay. touched her. Okay, let's, let's go to one of our favorite men. What about Fossey? How many times did he perjure himself? And as of today, not one charge against this man who is responsible, I believe, for killing hundreds of Americans. As as our previous guest said, when you actually look at it, every single death worldwide goes directly onto Fauci because he provided the materials and the funding for the Chinese to create it. So that's over 7 million people. Exactly. And, you know, some of the Democrats are still pushing the thing that it, it developed, you know, from bats and caves. They're still pushing it, the Democrats. I'm sorry. Uh, Keep keep playing on your TikTok. Keep on following the communist Chinese propaganda machine. Go go ahead. Drink the Kool-Aid. The more the Kool-Aid you drink, the more the rest of us will still be left alive to pick up the ashes of the crap you left in in our path. Let me me ask you all this. Was um, Dr. Fauci, was he selected as man of the year or something? Or that's something I just heard about. No, he was. He was I... selected man of the year. Was it, was it time? Oh, my God. I forget, I forget which, which what it was. But it's a, good, it's a good question. It looks like Mark Capscott might have gotten um, called away because he sent me a message yesterday that he'd be here with bells on his toes and something must have come up that is declaring his time because you know he comes every two weeks without fail Let maybe trump got arrested <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man it'd be even funnier if she got elected woman of the year <laughs> uh, 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> you know and, oh he, and, was, uh, he was nominated he was nominated people's sexiest man alive Oh, All right. no um, way. What? Yes, yeah, sexiest man alive. Yeah. Uh, who is yeah. now? Who are you talking about? Fauci. Who is? Fauci. Um, he is, he makes my skin crawl. You know, he's <laughs> sexy. I wouldn't want him to touch me. And that's if he was just, I didn't know who he was, and he was walking down the street. You look at that man, and ugh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. 
But, you know, people, people magazine isn't all that great anymore. It never was. Yes, thank Oh, man, yeah. oh, man, oh, man. Uh, sorry, no Reader's Digest. Uh, you know, can I go off on a little strange tangent? I don't know if you, you know, I, I am kind of like a monarch. I don't know how you say monarchist, and I do like the royal family and stuff, but I want to know what you think because Harry, your Prince Harry, is currently residing in the United States. In his book, he was talking about killing the Taliban. He had killed 18. Anyway, he really upset them, and he has fatwas on his head. Uh, I, two of the, the Taliban has called for a fatwa and for him to be killed and uh, I don't know if it was ISIS or another group, but he's got two fatwas on his head and he's residing in the United States. And also there's a thing going on now, you know, he came out openly and he's been going on interviews in the um uh, on television and talking about his drug use, which has been going since he was a teenager. Right now he's using psychedelics to treat his supposed PTSD. He's doing mushrooms. Uh, you name the drug, he's doing it. And so the Heritage Foundation is checking into this right now. How did he get into the United States on a visa with his drug use? And now are they going to deport him because of his openly admitting all of the drug use? But the one thing is the Biden administration is supporting him and fighting back on them even checking into his visa. Did you know that was going on? No, yeah. no, I don't follow the royal family at all. I mean, I'm sorry, we beat them once. <laughs> what, what do I care? <laughs> we 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 beat their butt. Well, <laughs> we came well, to the rescue. I, I've always loved, uh, you know, and I went over to London, and and uh, I've always followed them and their history and everything. So that's why I know it. That it is affect starting to affect us here, because you now have. You know, this prince, he's got fatwas on his head. He is trying to get IPT status, which would mean, uh, you know, and especially now that he has the fatwas, because he is a, I don't know, you know, like royal diplomat or where you put it, that if he does get this IPT status that he's trying to get, that means that we, the U.S. taxpayers, pick up his security bill and he will also have some information uh you know even from the cia and everything i don't know what all what when you get ipt status it entails but he can get quite a lot and then you know he said that our first amendment amendment was bonkers uh his wife megan is trying to get into politics now. She's in California. She wants to run for, um, 
like a congressman or a senator or something, but her ultimate goal, and she's openly stated this, is she thinks she could be president, which, you know, that's uh, asinine, <laughs> you know, if you ask me. But, I mean, these are two people who are really stirring up things, and they're, they're also stirring up race relations. You know, uh, anybody who disagrees, well, you're a racist. They're doing things with the Black Lives Matter and uh, different organizations within the United States. These are two people that uh, they're going under the radar, that they've got connections, and Biden and Biden's sister and his wife are all in thickest thieves with him, as is Hillary Clinton. You know, it's it's you you'd be amazed what people th- do. Uh, well, we'll see. I don't expect they're going to do anything about him uh, because he is a royal family and he gets a get out of jail card for free. Um, I, I don't imagine anything actually coming of it, uh, whether or not they try to make him a, a, a an example. But he's disassociated himself from the royal family. Whether or not they decide to try to protect him in one way or another, I don't see that happening. And they're going to step on their own schlong. Sooner or later, the, the American public's going to go, wait a minute, you're messed up. You know, just sit down and shut up. Just look pretty and well, sit down just, and shut up. I just wish they would take his visa away and get him out of the country, especially with the fatwas that he now has on his head. Uh, you know, and anybody who lives near him or any anywhere, there are going to be some cells, and they are going to be going after him, and that puts other people around him, you know, in danger. And I think, you know, I don't care what they do with that Megan, but I think they need to get him out of our country, and he does not need IPT status. Do you know what that includes when they get IPT status? I'm sure some level of security. Oh, no, we paid for all of their security. But what other uh, shows that I listened to, the way they explained it, they can also, that will give him uh, some information he gets through the CIA and our intelligence. Uh, You know, they can get a lot of that. It's not usually given. You know, but that is one thing he's really pushing for, and Biden is supporting it. And if he gets it, then we will be paying probably millions for this uh, twerp security. He needs to be out of the United <laughs> States. He does, he does. and it's serious enough that the Heritage Foundation right now is working on his visa, uh, you know, going and um, – getting information and everything because they want his visa revoked. And uh, one of the radio shows is actually asking people to write into the Heritage Foundation in support of what they're doing and also to contact your congressmen and senators. Well, hopefully we'll have exactly the person to ask that with as soon as Curtis comes back in on air. I hope we have oh, the cool. person you need to ask that question for. But uh, we'll wait for oh, him okay. to contact well, you this person. Just ask it for me when you get a guest, <laughs> I, I'll just go mute. I'm just, you know, 
chatting away, and if you guys got something else to talk about, move on and put me on mute. All right, Curtis, do we do we have Hans? I was not able to reach him. I got oh. like one of those those sounds like a fax machine or something. Ooh. Um. Oh, you know what? I'm I'm giving you the wrong phone number. That's my fault. Shoot, Curtis. I apologize. Okay. You know, let me resend it. I, I, let me let me just see if I can get it back. Um. I gotta scroll down through my emails to yesterday. All right, yesterday, 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 yesterday. I apologize, folks. I can't always be perfect all the time. Okay, here we go. Let me pull it back up. And the last four digits, Curtis, is six three one one. Okay? There's no two there. Six three one one. Got that? I guess Curtis is popping off. <laughs> He's doing as you you speak. Oh, and uh, happy birthday early. I'm really bad at getting the happy birthdays on time. And congratulations on your upcoming marriage also. Okay. Yeah, we haven't set a date or anything. So we just we're playing it by ear. So he's got some oh, well, medical issues he's got to take care of first. Yeah. Well, I'm just really happy for you, and uh, I think that's great. I'm really enjoying your shows. I missed you while you were gone. Yeah, we were gone a little bit longer than we thought because there was too many things that just happened, and one thing toppled into another, into another, into another. And uh, yeah. I still am trying to get up the new format, which I hope to have done sometime before the end of the year. Pinterest <laughs> so, yeah. How do you think Kevin McCarthy is doing? Are you uh, pretty exactly happy the, with him? No, not exactly. Um, he's playing both sides of the aisle right now. He's playing it very conservative, but he's still playing both sides of the aisle. And we'll wait and see what happens after. Um, we've got a midterm election coming up and see what if it, it changes anything in the House and Senate. Um, it's all going to be playing it by ear. Uh, I'm not someone in deep trust of him. He's better than Boehner, but not oh, by a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and Ryan, you know, because uh, Ryan, wasn't he, uh, he was a senator, right? Ryan, when he was in there? Yeah, yeah. Paul Ryan, he, yeah. He's starting to get a little active. Have you noticed that? He's showing up on a lot of news talk programs, especially things like Newsmax. Um, every yeah. time I see him, it's like I, I have to swallow my bile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to keep the uh, little doggy bag nearby in case I end up losing my cookies. Uh, no, no go on Hans, huh? No. Nope. Uh, that's a no, shame. Luck. We were supposed to have Hans von Spakovsky with us, and I don't know what's going on. We tried calling him a couple of times, and no good. Oh, part it's of it's my fault because I kept on giving Curtis the wrong number. That's okay. <laughs> there still must be something else going on. We'll find it's out later, I guess. Well, what, do you, what gonna... do you think about the banks? What's going on with them? 
I didn't well, know there was any debate scheduled. Was there? It, no, well, banks, you know, the financial banks, sector. Banks. Yeah. Because didn't, didn't the Fed raise the interest rates again? And yeah, what I was listening a point. to the news, yeah, they said that that's just bringing us closer to a crash like in, what was it, the 1930s or whatever. It's like they're doing the opposite of what they should be doing. And then I don't see how the United States, you know, all of these banks, if they are going to go under, how we can, you know, repay and give everybody their money. I mean, we're just running out of money. Well, you know, Biden was out there reassuring everybody that, you know, the our banking system is sovereign and there's no worries, no concerns. And I've I've gotten um statements from my banks reassuring um its its customers that, you know, they they are still, you know, um strong and and have no reason, you know, to feel threatened by what's going on um on the domestic scene as far as bank failures, but People are still concerned, you know. I mean, anytime you go to the store and there's still empty aisles and products that's missing and it looks like a third-world country when you go out to shop and gas is like crazy, you know, they know something's going on. The other thing that I have really noticed with all of this is, uh, you know, your call centers, like I get my diabetic supplies through, I have a lifestyle meter reading thing, and I hadn't been getting my uh, supplies, and so I tried to reach out to them and contact them. I couldn't get anybody but someone from the Philippines overseas. That diabetic supply company, now everything is handled through the Philippines, and it took me three days to finally get through and get to someone who could speak English good enough who could help me. And now I pray I'm going to get the diabetic supplies I need. And, you know, even before Trump, I didn't have this problem. And now every, you know, except for T-Mobile, it's the Philippines. All right. We we do have our guest in, Sue, so let's bring in my favorite from Heritage Foundation, Hans von Spakovsky. How are you doing, Hans? How are you doing? I'm I'm doing just fine, thanks. Yeah. Well, we had a question because one of our listeners, Sue, was in on the line, and she asked a question, and I don't pay much attention to the royal family. I'm sorry. We kicked their butt once, and I don't care after that. (laughs) But I'm hearing that there's some kerfuffle going on with Prince Harry and his visa, and the Heritage Foundation is looking into this. Do you, have you heard anything about this? Uh, I, I have to tell you, <laughs> I have not heard uh, anything about this. I will tell you that, um, look, it's up to the Department of Homeland Security to issue visas. You know, they've got uh, pretty strict laws in our immigration statutes that govern the issuance of visas, visas and, you know, no, no, no one who is not a citizen has any kind of absolute or legal right to get a visa. That's totally within the discretion of the Department of Homeland Security. Well, we know whose pocket they're in. 
So it looks like you make it into <laughs> his visa after all. Um, one of the things I was talking about earlier in the show is the craziness going in Washington, D.C. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a term for and I, it. It require a four-letter word. They're bat <clears throat> crazy. Uh, there are now – they want anyone that resides in Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, for 30 days to be able to vote in local elections. With, there's no That's real right. true guarantee they won't vote in federal elections. But at the same time, we've got Department of Homeland Security with all this massive parole of illegal aliens. Uh, there's no requirement in this law that it's an American citizen, uh, much less a resident of the United States. So anyone, whether they are a convicted felon, an illegal alien, a diplomat or diplomatic staff, or just some Joe Blow who drives his little camper into behind Wally World, parks it for 30 days and says, I can vote now. They're crazy. Well, it is crazy. Well, yeah, it is crazy. And um, unfortunately for the residents of the city, that is the real residents of the city, um, Congress failed to overturn it. The House did. The U.S. US House passed a resolution to stop this city ordinance from going into effect. But uh, Chuck Schumer and the U.S. Senate refused to bring it to a vote. And so it is now effective and it is now law and it's just it is just such a bizarre thing to think that not only can foreign diplomats be able to vote in local elections but look the if if vladimir putin came to the u.s and stayed in the russian embassy for 30 days he'd be able to vote in our local elections and things are run so badly now this supposedly only run, uh, applies to local elections, right? But D.C. Mm-hmm. is so badly run that anyone who thinks that from a practical standpoint, they are going to fix things so that uh, those aliens only vote in local elections and don't also vote in federal elections, uh, that, that's just not going to happen. They, they are going to end up uh, voting in national elections, too. Well, now – with all these new people eligible to vote, that changes the census figures. And if they become a state, as they intend to do, that's going to upset the entire scale of House of Representatives and may never see a Republican uh, in office again on, or control of Congress or the Senate. Yeah, like fortunately for us, the only way the District of Columbia can become a state is through a constitutional amendment. Now, I know Democrats in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate keep introducing bills to make D.C. a state, but those bills uh, would be unconstitutional even if they passed, even if they were signed by the president. You can't make D.C. a state without changing the Constitution, and fortunately, uh, I, there's no way I, I don't think that you would ever get um, all of this, the the states, the requisite number of states, to agree to make DC uh, a state. That that just isn't going to happen. That you're going to be able to get three quarters of the states uh, to approve that. 
Well, we did see on, Sorry, a, on a better note. Two, two, third, two thirds of the states. There's no way you're going to get two thirds of the states to approve that. <laughs> well, we did see a movement in um, the illegal aliens. What happened recently, which you wrote about in uh, Heritage uh, at heritage.org, is that in the state of Florida, they're claiming that DHS violated the mandatory detention, and a judge has ruled in their favor. So it's possible now that states can sue the federal government to enforce, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, good Lord, immigration. Yeah, what that case was about, it was a terrific decision by a federal judge down in Florida. In essence, Florida sued saying, look, we're, we're uh, incurring huge costs in our state because of the over 100,000 illegal aliens that you have um, released in Florida. And w- what you're doing, which is to mass parole illegal aliens into the U.S., violates federal immigration law. And the judge said that is exactly right. He, he said that there's no authority for the Department of Homeland Security to play mass parole uh, illegal aliens as they come in. You can't do that. Um, and he, there's, there's very, some very colorful language in the decision about how the open border policies that the Biden administration put in basically mean that the border is now just a speed bump for aliens <laughs> coming into the country and that what the Biden administration has done is the equivalent of hanging in, come on in, we're open sign on, on the border. Well, I, I loved what the judge said uh, when he was talking about the Biden DHS. He said it was acting like a child who kills his parents and then seeks pity for being an orphan. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you know, what, yeah, and what he was referring there to, to there was that the Biden administration tried to argue, well, we have to release all these aliens because we don't have enough detention space to, to hold them, even though uh, uh, the administration has actually been reducing detention space. They've been closing detention facilities ever since they came into office, and in their budget request to Congress, they have been constantly reducing the amount of money they're asking for uh, to, to have detention spaces for these aliens. So they're doing everything to make sure that they don't have enough detention space to um, hold these aliens before they uh, uh, remove them from the country. I mean, it really, the arguments they were making in court were, were so absurd and, and just bizarre that it, it was uh, nice to see a judge actually taking them to task for it. Yeah, because he quotes the uh, section 1125, I'm sorry, not one, 1225 of Title Eight of the U.S. Code that says that if they arrive without proper admission, they're subject to expedited removal, quote, right. without further hearing or review, unquote. So all these people that are getting these little summonses and say, well, show up in court, you know, X amount of days, they don't, need, they, they don't even have to do that. They just turn around and put them back across the border. Right. And that's what they should be doing. And because they're not doing it, um, in one year, uh, 
the administration had the this administration has had more illegal alien encounters at the border than in the entire four years of the Trump administration. And that is all because the policies they have put in place are deliberately intended to entice and bring as many illegal aliens into the country as possible. And that is a this is not accidental. This is a deliberate policy by them. Oh, but don't forget AOC standing at the border crying in that photo shoot. But the judge also pointed out that it, it's not inhumane or cruel to, a, to detain these aliens pending their immigration proceedings. Well, look, that, this whole situation is just completely untenable. By the way, something else the judge pointed out. And this is, this is so dangerous, is that the government tried to argue that, oh, well, we're, 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 checking, we're checking all these illegal aliens coming in to make sure oh, they're I love not that part. You know, criminals. Oh, I love yeah. that part. <laughs> and they don't have criminal records. And the judge pointed out that that just isn't true, because the only way they could check whether these people are criminals who've never been in the U.S. before is if the governments, the foreign governments uh, that these aliens, uh, the foreign countries these aliens come from, if they're foreign governments, provide uh, that information to the U.S. government, that isn't happening. So that the only thing DHS is actually doing is checking their criminal histories in the U.S. Well, since they've never been here before, there isn't going to be a criminal history in the U.S. So basically they're letting literally millions of aliens in with no verification, no check of their background, nothing to make sure that we're not getting murderers and rapists and robbers and uh, drug dealers and terrorists freely coming into the country. Yeah, and China and Russia would tell us the truth about the people that are illegally coming over the border. Gee, you find that a little disingenuous, don't you? Yeah, it's very, very true. I mean, but now it does give grounds for any state that feels that they're being imposed upon by this illegal invasion, as I call it. Uh, they now have a cause to sue the federal government. And it would be interesting to see how many states, some red states, that will actually jump on that. Um, because it's good for me to call Alan Wilson. It's a good excuse for me to call him and talk to him. <laughs> Right. Well, look, there's a lot of suits going on against um, the Biden administration, and uh, this this is just one this is just one of many. But look, the only way this is really going to change is uh, in the pre- presidential election in 2024, if uh, we finally get someone in to the White House who's actually willing to enforce our immigration laws. That's it can be done. We can get the border uh, under much better control. I mean, it's never going to be completely secure, but you can get it under much better control. The prior administration proved that. The numbers went down dramatically of illegal aliens coming across the border because of all the policies they put in. Uh, so it can be done, but you've got to have people in the executive branch who are interested and willing to do that. Which we don't have at this point in time. And it's a shame because we're 
our country is going to go to hell in a handbasket unless we start to take it back again. But we're running out of time. I wish we had more time, Hans. Uh, next time, we're going to get you on a little bit earlier. <laughs> but I accidentally gave my co-host the wrong phone number a couple of times. I'm a little bit of a ditz at times, you know. It's, it's uh, under the gray hair. Yeah, right. That's all right. <laughs> but people can find you over at heritage.org, and you've got a great That's article right. out uh, giving new information on election security. Uh, and uh, what's good I'm hearing is that states are starting to drop out of the ERIC system, uh, which was put in place by a, uh, a Clinton operative <clears throat> or probably a Soros operative, too. And states are starting to back out of it, Florida being the latest to back out. And I'm hoping that South Carolina will be next on the list to pull out, too. Well, I've got a major paper uh, in editing right now about Eric and uh, the problems that it has. So that'll be out hopefully Ooh. fairly soon. Then you got to make sure I get a copy. <clears throat> I appreciate uh, it. I will do that. All righty. Thanks a lot. All Have right, a nice well, weekend. You too, Hans. Take care. Hans von Spakovsky. Right. Check him out at heritage.org. And I am really losing my voice right now. <clears throat> I want to thank Sue for joining us uh, and for oh, all yeah. the guests that came in. Uh, unfortunately, Mark Tapscott must have gotten pulled away with whatever's going on at the latest because he gets his deadline. He has to get his articles in it to the Epic Times before they go to bed. <clears throat> but we will be back uh, next week uh, lining up guests as we speak. And I'll let you know who we got and when we got. But until then, uh, that's all I got for today, Curtis. Yep, and I'll get with you tomorrow on any guest that I I have for the show. All right. Well, that's what we have for today. Enjoy your weekend. And, oh, good Lord, next weekend, Saturday, is April Fool's Day. And it's the day my county has their GOP convention. <laughs> what better day than April Fool's Day to, to vote for our offices for our county GOP? <laughs> but <laughs> until then, I'll leave you with a song, a uh, closing song, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, uh, because I'm having problems with copyright and some of our other songs we've been using. So until then, I say good night. And God bless.